sing till I break away from me. I will break away. I'll find myself today. I wanted to open with a little bit of J6 talk. So a lot of people uh, have... I, I see it in the chats and, you know, we have over 700 Tory says groups, right? And I watch them uh, whenever I can <laughs> to keep up with things. And I want to talk about J6 and I wanted to point out that all of these people speaking freedom and how being jailed for something and being held without a trial and all this stuff. They allowed to happen. And I'm going to remind you of when it happened. So all the digital red stringers that believe that Q was some white bearded guy or they assume it's Cash Patel or whoever wants to come up and say that, (laughs) whatever. We had Austin Steinbart pop up and say that he was Q, right? And everybody hated him. Because he took their thunder, the mystery, right? And if you remember, I was constantly saying, why is no one doing anything when this guy is in jail and his constitutional rights are being violated? I was talking about it. And so then you had your disgusting, sorry excuse for people like the Jordan Sathers, the praying medic with an E, and all of them that were making way too much money, enjoying that he was in jail. And they totally missed the point. They missed the point. They allowed the system. They didn't have to like him. They didn't have to say, yeah, he's cute. Or we believe anything he says. They didn't have to. But the thing is, it was an American whose rights were violated. And he was in jail with no trial for a long time. And they literally had nothing and put him in there from what we know. I mean, we heard the case. We saw the paperwork. So the question is, you guys let them create the pre-existing conditions to jail anyone in. So the red stringers are the ones that hung everyone at J6. Because if we would have dealt with it when it happened, right, we wouldn't be here right now with all these people in jail with their rights being violated. See, I kept saying, you don't have to like someone, right? You don't have to think that whatever they say is true. You don't have to. But what you have to do as an American is stand by every American's right. And so that was done on purpose to see if they can demonize people enough, will you ignore them? Will you allow us? To violate their rights. And guess what? All your stupid fucking patriots out there are letting it happen. Unless it's their friend, they're not talking about it. And why are they talking about it now? Hmm? Why are they talking about it now? Why didn't they talk about it when this actually happened? See, I see it like this. <laughs> Let's have a little bit of a conversation, right? Discernment. Discernment is basically being able to distinguish the source of something, not the source, the, the validity of something or what, what something is that is being presented to you, right? People are incapable 
of having proper discernment when they want to recreate what they had. I kid you not. They are more thinking, oh, let's recreate the, the, the momentum we had in like 2017, 2018, 2019, where everyone was tweeting and they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because everyone was, we were getting shit done. You weren't getting shit done. Because if you were getting shit done, we wouldn't be here right now. Discernment. See, those that actually know me know one hard truth about me. That I am not the friend that is going to tell you what you want to hear. If you come to me and you're like, look, I'm going to do this new business. My business is going to be making Q-tips for dogs. And after they're done cleaning their ears, they can eat it because it tastes like peanut butter. I'm going to be your friend and tell you, I love that you want to be an entrepreneur, but that fucking sucks. Right? Right. Because I'm your friend. We're going out and you look crazy. I'm going to tell you, I'm sorry. I love you, but you look crazy. Your hair looks like crap. I will tell you. Your shoes on the wrong foot. I will tell you. You got spinach on one tooth or all your teeth. I will tell you. Right. And even if you're not, even if you're not, my friend, and we are in the same environment, I will still tell you you have spinach on your teeth. Why? Because that's what decent human beings do. Right. But friends, right? Friends. Friends, you need discernment because what I, I did say this year is that of recompense. Considering it's Good Friday for me today, you know, revisiting this morning, uh, listening to liturgy from the other side of the planet. I couldn't even bear to watch some of the videos. Like I couldn't even log on to any Greek sites or they were all wearing masks. It was like, I can't do this. Mm-mm. I'm going to stream it from Jerusalem because I'm not doing this. <laughs> I am definitely not doing this today. But anyway, I was thinking, you know, we all feel betrayal, right? And, and, and all of us, when we get betrayed, usually, usually people say that they were betrayed and it was all of a sudden, Right? And then I thought, you know, I already knew I was going to get betrayed, right? Sometimes when I enter into relationships, either that be, well, not uh, in love, right? That's a different, we're talking friendship relationships. I know when someone's an opportunist and steps on people's necks and what their passions are, passions meaning, you know, what deadly sins they abide by. So betrayal for me is something that I understand and I haven't even gotten through the really big one yet. I already know it, but it had to happen or else things don't come as they should. And see, sometimes betrayal isn't so much that, you know, they do things to you, right? Betrayal is sometimes them being a bystander. Betrayal is someone sitting by and listening to plans being plotted against you 
discussions that are being had and maybe even poking the bear and adding more to it to your enemies so they can drive them even crazier because I don't know, maybe they're jealous, you know, maybe they should have been better off, not you because they're more important and they've been doing this for a while or they're, I don't know, whatever it is, betrayal. It happens all the time. And there are always a lot of signs and people just don't pay attention, right? And betrayal, though, of your government here, you had all the signs. You had a guy in jail that obviously was pretty well known in the right uh, alt movement because he claimed he was Q, right? And because the people that were making money off of Q were upset that they were not going to be making money, they hated him. So they sat idly while your constitution was being completely violated. But, you know, it was he needed a shut up because he was crazy. So he's crazy. You say he's crazy. All right. So let him be crazy. Does he not have rights because he's crazy? Does he not have rights because you don't like him or because he wears a suit or he smokes weed or likes threesome? Like, what is it that 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 terminates the right of an American to have rights that you will defend? Because I see a bunch of these people saying, I would defend everybody's right. No, you didn't. Shut the fuck up. No, you didn't. I don't want to hear in the matrix. I don't want to hear praying medic. I don't want to hear all these fucking losers saying how they would defend rights when they didn't defend the rights of Boston Steinbart. Because if we would have had that battle out right then and there and said, he's not Q, but he has rights, then we wouldn't be here right now. Pretty much. That was the progression to this end state of betrayal. It was a test run, a dry run, and you all ate it up. No one spoke up because could you imagine if we actually went through that? Everybody, everybody could have said, this guy's not cute and he's nuts, but he has rights. Let's fight. Let's all say what is going on here. This isn't right. But nobody did because they were too busy pissing on trees. Who's more important? Who's more this? Fuck you. Guarantee you Q would be like, you guys are a bunch of pussies and you made money off my name. I'm pissed. But inanimate objects don't really have that, I guess. Maybe sometimes. I don't know. Whatever. So anyway, subtle things were happening in our nation Subtle things, secret things, nasty little things that were happening that progressed to this end stage of complete and utter betrayal. And it was really easy because, see, while we say there's a left and a right, let's be honest, the conservatives don't fit in the rhino movement because that it was always rhino. Right. They definitely don't fit in the crazy libtard movement. Right. And so. You know, they were kind of disenfranchised, so they were kind of trying to make their own spot somewhere in the middle, leaning more toward the right, of course. And so as they were trying to fit in, you had the people that believed that that President Trump was 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 posting. Then they were like, oh, it's more people. Yeah, a lot of people have access to that. OK. Mm -hmm. And so uh, more people were posting and doing things. 
And then they had an idea. Oh, it's definitely this guy. Oh, it's General Flynn. Oh, it's this. Oops, it's that. And they were so obsessed who the source of whatever information it was like, it was like drugs to them. They ran to it like drugs. Oh, was it misused? And when I saw the misuse in 2018, I was like, damn, it's over. Damn. Late 2018. No, I want to say 2019. I knew it was over in April of 2019. And it's like, you know, it was so horrible. It was, it was so horrible to watch people thirsty for some, from some unknown sources to tell them what's going to happen. It's okay. It's okay. Q's going to save us. I don't know, man. Can your Mac save you? I don't know. I mean, you've got to push the keys, right? It's not automated. Well, you know, in the future, kind of automated, but. Several things were happening within our nation that um, were showing you the state of betrayal of your government. And none of us actually took hold of the opportunity to adjust that relationship with them. To be like, listen, man, we don't like this guy. But you can't just hold someone indefinitely and decide when you want to get, take them to court and what they can do and rip them of their rights. We, we, we all have to be united. We may not like someone, right? But we must support them. And see, that's the thing. When you forego an opportunity to adjust any relationship, you allow it to happen. Almost kind of like betrayal. When you see betrayal coming, you want to say something. You want to say something like, yo, like, what are you doing? But you let it play out sometimes because, you know, you allow him because it's not your lesson to learn. Because if someone betrays you, other people will see that betrayal. And you can't excuse it. You will die right there on the spot as an entity. You will be dead. Dead for the world to see. I mean, look at Patrick Berge. That little piece of shit. He's so money hungry. He's going to be money hungry until he goes to the grave. He's going to be begging people for $5. And he's going to be screaming, but I'm, I'm, I'm credible and, and, and buy my book. See, because he's, he, let me tell you something. Let me, let me, let me be a little bit straight talk here. Because a lot of people are like, don't talk about it. Let me tell you something. In November, when I left my house to go down to D.C., I had just enough for tickets. And I had a credit card to put my kitties in a kitty hotel so they could be taken care of. I had to take them to the vet right before I flew out, get their shots, and then drop them off because I didn't have the paperwork. And so I go to DC and I'm there and, you know, I am trying to give my information, get some information. Let's work on this. Let's pull it out. And I, at first I'm hesitant to provide information only because I was gauging the playing field. Who's playing? Where am I going? Who's talking? Who's participating? And I was just assessing. And, um, and then Bergie comes along and, and, and Bergie was texting me and asking me, Hey, are you running like some sort of fund? And I was like, no, dude, when you're doing good work, shit just works out. You just got to trust it. So he ran like this fund that his accountant who left him, by the way, because of the shit he was doing, 
And he bought himself a new car and clothes and that's it. And he didn't really participate. He was trying to pitch some business while he was in D.C. to these people like we should make the private Internet. And this is how we're going to solve election fraud. So we're there talking election fraud. He's pitching a fucking company. I kid you not. He admits it himself. Well, that's a problem. Me pitching companies going to fix everything. And it's not going to fix the stolen elections. OK, it's totally not. It's totally not. So he raised a bunch of money, had all these, you know, lavish, whatever, going to hookers, doing his thing. And then January 6th happens and he's hanging out with Millie, hoping that he can get an in somewhere. That's the only reason that he was hanging out there. Right. He had nothing to provide. Um, And and then he starts hitting me up so we can do rodeo shows around the nation because he had some guy tell him that we're going to make a ton of money if we go speak about Shadowgate. And I told him no. And you know, my Florida people know this firsthand. How many times he was like, let's do a Shadowgate event where I could just tell you guys how you're fucked you are and, and how I was right all along and they sent me to the poor house, right? Uh, and guess what? Imagine, guess how many of those events I went to? Absolutely fucking zero, right? And then I stopped pushing his book after he was telling, you know, the mayor that the only way to solve this is for him to buy his book and promote it, okay? So it was over, right? After he tried to get a Russian-looking woman to go to a meeting that I didn't know, I'm like, fuck this. So I cut him off. It was like, I'm not thumping your stuff. Don't ask me. So he hated me. Right. He hated me because he didn't have money. I mean, he even wrote the FBI a freaking, oh, you need to go investigate her because look, honey, you stupid fucking loser. Right. Because I know he listens. I'm actually suing the state of North Dakota. You think the FBI doesn't know what the fuck happened? You're going to ride in on your broke ass, drunk, high horse and tell them what the fuck is going on when there were federal crimes that were committed against me and my kids. Like what the fuck? Who listens to this guy and actually thinks this is normal? Right. And that he knows better than them. But guess what? He was telling them how he, they need to investigate the shit because they didn't, of course. Right. <laughs> That's why the other guy got a double A felony. Right. Because they didn't investigate. Right? They didn't. They were, they were waiting for Bergie to come and they needed to buy his book or get a complaint that get this. You need to investigate her because her and Patrick Berg are colluding so that I can't sell my books. Are you fucking kidding me? You wasted the FBI's time. Like, this is what a loser he is. What a fucking loser he is. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to write books. Dude, he didn't even have a lawyer look through that. <laughs> and it's like, are you kidding? And so, and he can't even spell, right? Okay, let's just, right? So again, again, <laughs> again. <laughs> and the thing is, he's so fucking desperate. And karma's coming exactly his way. Look at where he is now. He's got not a pot to piss in. He's got absolutely nothing going for him. His mom died and nobody gave a call to tell him because nobody gives a fuck about him. That tells you everything you need to know. I don't talk to my mother. I don't speak to her for months and months and months sometimes, right? But if something goes down, my phone is blowing up. No one. <laughs> 
would have any, right? Kids don't want to know him. And I would pray for him. I would give him guidance. And he was a piece of shit. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because when he went down to the Florida meeting, he told common friends on the record and then also told me, damn, these people are a gold mine. Why don't you just have them just do shit for you? Like, look at all this stuff they gave me. And I'm like, you're so... You're disgusting that you look at them as cha-ching. And he's like, what else? I need to build my company. I want a bar with petabytes of this and that. Nah, nah, nah. Now, why am I bringing this up? I'm having you look at an example of what happens to people that get what they put out. Right? If you do good, you get rewarded well. You're healthy. You're happy. I mean, you could just look at pictures when he was close to me and when he was not. I just want you to pay attention to that. Who's healthy and who's happy. It, it resonates within you. And what you need to see with your own eyes, because you have seen this whole example from start to finish, from start to finish, is exactly what has been put out they get. Recompense is a real thing. There are a lot of people, I was speaking with someone earlier today and they caught me at a really good time. Like I usually don't have time to talk, like literally. And so they caught me at a time where I'm kind of like, I was purging shit. You know, I'm still going through boxes of stuff from my life and I'm throwing them out. It's been really, really hard. I'm, I'm really struggling, you guys. And, um, I was at that point where I'm sitting on the floor and my butt's numb from sitting on the floor going through this box and working on my phone that this message just comes up, you know, because when people talk on, on Telegram, it'll come up. And um, I see this message and someone was like, well, you know, um, I was listening to your show the other day and you say that you know, you don't always reap you sow in your life because God can forgive you. And I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, you could have a whole life of being a complete asshole, right? Super bad person, you know, envious, jealous, disgusting. You could have, you could be just like that. And then one day you make a switch and you do good and you're not rewarded, but then you continue to do good. You continue. And then, and then you see your life changes. You see your outlook change, right? And you're, and you're doing more and you're participating and you care about your community and you do this. And suddenly you see that all those bad things you do aren't following any anymore, right? They're actually forgiven per se, Right. It's, it's, don't they always say that God will outweigh whatever, whatever? That's how I feel. But, you know, I think if we're able to forgive ourselves, not make excuses, we don't want the excuses. You know how when you, when your friend who's not that nice, that pretends to be your friend, calls you and tells you about the drama they go through, right? And you're listening and you're like, how can I help? And you help. And then when you call the friend, the friend, you know, doesn't really give a shit what you have to say. Oh, yeah. You know, and doesn't really offer advice, just listens because then they're like, oh, I have more shit to talk about about them, I guess, you know, have you ever seen that intentions, right? Intentions, we go back to intentions, right? Well, this guy, just to put it short, has changed his life within two years through the groups. Now, I'm not going to point this guy out and, you know, he can feel free to say, hey, that was me. Um, but 
what he did was he focused on creating the community he wanted. So, um, cause, uh, he's in a state that that's not too friendly to anything that's called freedom. Uh, he got his local community to create like a communal garden and all of them don't wear masks. And, uh, the kids, um, you know, uh, are homeschooled together. And it's like, a, it's like a community that looks after each other. And then when tickets were being issued, they stood up for each other. And then when mask mandates came, they all ran down to city councils and stood together and recruited more people and more people and more people. And so, you know, he said something, you know, I was like, look, I'm really struggling right now. I'm like, I'm throwing away shoes. And for a woman, it's a big fucking deal to throw away shoes. Okay. And, um, he said, you know, sometimes we just have to forgive ourselves that we didn't know we couldn't do things or that we let our guard down or whatever. And I was like, well, yeah, okay, let's not get soppy. I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, one of those lame responses that you give on text when you're like, yeah, conversation's over. (laughs) It's like, yeah. And then he was like, listen, I forgave myself for all the shit I did. So, and it was pretty bad. And once I forgave myself and I started working and doing these things, it got better. So again, the thing is, what was missing from that conversation was intention. Your intentions matter. If your intention is to do good, right? You can't be bitter. If your intention to do good, it's not hate and love and right. If your intention is to do better, you urge other people to be better. If your intention is to make your community better, you do that. If your intention is to support and defend the constitution, it doesn't just apply to people you like. If your intention is to be free, it doesn't just apply to people you like, right? It doesn't. It doesn't. Now, the reason I say this is because I have had a lot of um, legal eyes uh, peruse a document that was libelous, and thank God it's there, which means that... um, you know, as, as we're looking through it, I realize, wow, it must really suck sometimes to be such a demon, right? That's it, demon. Because you could see it in the face, in the mouth, in the heart, in the face, everywhere you can see it. And see, how do you tell the difference between demons and not demons? You could just watch them on your television set and it totally makes sense. And you're like, okay, I see it now. I totally see it. Right? I totally see it. I see, I see the demon, the difference between two. Give me a sec. I'm going to show you two reporters and you're going to tell me who resonates with you and demon and who, just by the way they look. You have to like the person. I mean, I want you guys to be completely independent to how you see them, even though you're super biased because you know what they're like. I want you guys to try to use a more objective view. How's that? Be a little bit more objective. So I'm going to show you, let's see, let's pull some person out. Who do we pull out? Yeah, this guy. I, I, I don't like this guy at all. And the sincerity trying to be pushed makes you, makes you cringe. But, um, and we were, we were going to talk about this anyway, but 
I want you to, sh- I want to show you that before I introduce you to a journalist who is incredible for me. See, I shouldn't have said that biased again. Let's look at this face objectively. And then we look at the other one. Here we go. A new tape that shows Kevin McCarthy was not telling the truth when he denied having said that he would call then president Trump and tell him that he should resign and attempt to bolster the big lie which is exactly the kind of thing you heard the former president, Barack Obama, talking about. The New York Times is reporting that Kevin McCarthy wanted Trump to resign in the wake of January 6th. The account coming from a new book by two Times reporters, Alexander Burns and Jonathan Martin. This will not pass as the name of the book, Trump, Biden, and the Battle for America's Future. McCarthy called the reporting, quote, totally false and wrong. But tonight, those reporters are releasing the audio of McCarthy in his own words. Liz, you on the phone? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I guess there's a question. When when we were talking about the 25th Amendment resolution, um, yeah. and you asked if, if, you know, what happens if it gets there after he's gone, is, is there any chance, are you hearing that he might resign? Is there any reason to think that might? They're talking about your president, okay? Right? These people are talking about 25th Amendmenting your president, okay? Happen. I've had a few discussions. My gut tells me no. Um, I'm seriously thinking of having that conversation with him tonight. I haven't talked to him in a couple of days. Um, from what I know of him, I mean, you guys all know him too. Do you think he'd ever back away? But what what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to call him. My this, this is what I think. Um, no one will pass the house. I think there's a chance he'll pass the Senate even when he's gone. Um, and I think there's a lot of different ramifications for that. Now, I haven't had a discussion with the Dems that if he did design, would it not happen? Now, this is one personal fear I have. Um, I do not want to get into any conversations about Pence pardoning. I got that. I mean, the only discussion I would have with him, Pence pardoning. I got that. I mean, the only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass, and it would be my recommendation we should resign. Um, I mean, that would be my take, but I don't think he would take it, but I don't know. I mean, how much more? So much for the denial, right? CNN has reached out to McCarthy's office for a response, but we haven't heard back. So joining me now is CNN political director David Chalian. David, listen, we've caught people in lies before on videotape. We've heard it and, you know, on audio tape, and still they somehow wrangle and wiggle out of it and pretend that it didn't happen. McCarthy denied that he told colleagues that he would push Trump to leave office, and we just heard him in his own words. So, what? Yeah, and when McCarthy offered the sweeping denial earlier today, um, he he clearly wasn't dealing with the particulars of the reporting. He was just trying uh, to dismiss it all in its entirety, uh, which, of course, you know, this is a thoroughly reported book from two of the best political reporters uh, in the business. Um, it, it seemed not the best approach for McCarthy to sort of just dismiss it out of hand. Uh, and and now, of course, they have the goods to back up their reporting uh, with this tape. So uh, what I think is important here is, yes, it is a fascinating insight just four days after the insurrection, Don, to hear McCarthy in this conversation with his leadership team uh, about the prospect of President Trump being impeached. It's it's amazing to hear him say, you know, 
Uh, it's going to pass the House and they're going to convict him in the Senate, even though he's gone. And it's exactly that rationale uh, that he would be a former president that Republicans used in the Senate uh, to not convict him uh, in the impeachment. So uh, this is a moment in time. And then just within days of this, uh, you saw Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell all back off this attempt to try and diminish Trump in the party. How do how do you as a Republican and you're not a Republican, but I'm just you're an analyst here. How do you as a Republican believe anything that comes out of Kevin McCarthy's mouth or any of the other folks who have who deny these things and then there is evidence that they are lying. How do you continue to believe them and to be on the Republican and the Trump train? It is inexplicable to me. Well, I mean, uh, there are uh, there are beliefs about things that are so proven false in reality, uh, such as the legitimacy of the 2020 election, like you were talking about uh, Barack Obama uh, including that in his speech out in California, in his speech in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, about how uh, the disinformation uh, that has spread that nearly 40% uh, of Americans believe that Joe Biden wasn't legitimately elected, that the election was... And misinformation, disinformation. Here's where we go. So I'm giving the example of that loser, um, drunk, drug addict, Bergie, Um because I want to point out how you can spot a lie. See, I told you that CNN would be telling you the truth, but you can also spot a lie in a plot, right? So when someone says lies about stupid ass shit that you can prove are false, right? Through your own knowledge, you don't need to ask. It's completely false. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, so-and-so introduced me to that person. And then days later, oh, they interviewed. Yeah, actually, that didn't happen. That was a year apart. Maybe drunk. Maybe what will they say? I had penis surgery. Like all these stupid excuses to make it look cute, right? This is how they do it, right? They lie about things that they know aren't true. Uh, you know, like the Lynn Wood thing. You guys all saw it. All of you were blowing up my phone that he looked insane on his feed and he was leaving to go see Lynn Wood. And then, so everybody feels sorry for him. He suddenly finds out on his way to Tamatli that his mom died and nobody told him. Shut the fuck up. You're a liar because you told me that mo a month after your mom died. So you just lied right there. Okay. So that was a lie too. Right? It was like, let me get compassion. So when they lie about little shit, right? They're going to lie about big shit. And that causes me a problem. Why? Because the information that he has, right, is actually valid information. But now I'm questioning the validity of that information only because on stupid shit, they lie, right? They lie on stupid ass fucking shit, shit that makes no sense. So my, my, the building that I rent an apartment in is not some high rise condo. It's a fucking apartment building that happens to have a lot of floors because it's across the street from a hospital. And I can tell you what, it's not that fancy. It's not fancy and it's not a condo. So we all know it's a little lie. So if you're lying on something small, again, I'm showing you comparison to something that you have seen with your own eyes. You cannot trust when the big things come in. Right. For example, like, you know, when all that shit went down with Brad Parscale, right, buying all those cars, lying, the hookers, the drugs, the whatever. Right. All that shit went down. Right. 
your actual impact to the people was failing. Then, you know, why, you know, I'm just going to leave it there. Why? And then question mark. So again, <laughs> going back. If someone can lie on little things, the big ones is a no-brainer. It's tainted. So now you can't even use it. Like no one's going to pay attention to you because all you say is bullshit because thousands and hundreds of thousands of people can call you out on a bunch of shit that you've said. On stupid shit that you could just look back on your feed or look back on your text and see that you're talking shit and you're lying, right? Ah, so you can see the demons in the face. Actually, he kind of started looking like Barack a little bit, which mind you, uh, he had a lot of fun pointing out misinformation because we're going to get to that because this is the problem that we have right now uh, that, that they're coming at with the president. But I want to take you to another reporter, right? A fantastic reporter that you know, you probably don't know her story. So I'm going to show you her story. Uh, she was interviewed um, by Doug Traw. I, I think that's how it's pronounced. Let me hear him say it, of the Restoration Pact. Uh, let's watch this for a second together. Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pact. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today, we're blessed to have with us a first-time guest who is beloved in conservative circles for her truth-telling. She is Emerald Robinson, a former White House correspondent for One America News Network and Newsmax. She now has her own show on Frank Speech TV and has a large Substack blog following. Welcome to the show, Emerald. Great to have you on. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Very good. So you've got this really interesting background. Born uh, coal mining town. Your dad was a pastor. You end up in journalism. So I always have, for all the guests, we want to hear, you know, all of our viewers want to know, how did you get to where you are? Tell us a little bit more about that story, all that stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it definitely wasn't the conventional path. I, I didn't have the plan to end up in the White House press pool, though I always did. I went to school for journalism. My, my family tells me that I said since kindergarten, I was going to be a journalist, but I did sort of go the long way about it. I did theater and I, I went to, to Hollywood and things like that. I did some soap. So that's often used against me, you know, by uh, the critical corporate media. But yeah, I grew up in a, a tiny, tiny coal mining town in the mountains of Virginia on the West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee border. So I feel a little bit more like I'm from Tennessee, probably even than Virginia because it was just down the road. Uh, my daddy was a pastor of a tiny church that was just across the field to the left of my house where I grew up and I uh, had a, a really lovely country upbringing. And then I, I left that small town pretty young and headed for the, the big lights of the different cities. And uh, I was in L.A. for a while and I just realized that wasn't a fit for me. And I decided to get back to my education, which was journalism. And at first I moved into science and tech, covering science and technology for uh, a popular website at the time. I think it's now defunct, but it was called uh, redorbit.com. It was one of the top science sites at the time. And that actually brought me to Washington, D.C. So I didn't come to Washington, D.C. to cover politics. I was one of the unusual people covering science and tech. 
there. But then it sort of progressed because, I mean, when in Rome, right, sure. you're going to end up covering Rome. And that's sort of how it happened. I, I, I didn't really want to stay in D.C., but I met my husband, fell in love, and ended up taking a job with One American News and officially moving into uh, covering Congress and then the White House. And I realized it was actually a pretty good fit for me. Yeah. I really ended up loving politics and getting a little bit, you know, obsessed with it. Yeah. Well, you're a truth teller in a world where there's not a lot of that going on. And uh, it's interesting, you know, times that we live in, if you wanted to be a journalist your whole life and then you end up in this spot and you find, hey, there's not a lot of people like me that are telling the truth and it all kind of comes together. So that's that's a that's a really uh, great fit for you. So, oh, go ahead. You're going to say something. Well, I was just going to say, and I think because I didn't have the goal, like everyone else in that press pool with me, that was their ultimate goal. And then the next goal was to get a show on the network with ABC, CBS, or Fox. And that just was never my goal. I, I didn't necessarily lay a path uh, for this career. And so I've been, I, I find myself in a place that I didn't necessarily intend to be, but that, you know, suited me. And I think it's, you know, because God had a purpose. So I never, so I guess I wasn't different by, by design. It's just that I didn't have the same goals. And so then I, I didn't feel like I needed to compromise because, you know, ultimately my, my goal was not the Fox or CBS. It was just being, you know, an honest person. Yeah. It's, it's freeing when you get to the place where you're free, you're free because you're where you wanted to be. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't have some additional thing I'm trying to get done here. So I'm just going to say it like it is. And, you know, the uh, truth telling uh, kind of juxtaposed against the timid press corps now. You know, we've watched the media kind of disintegrate and the press corps and all this. And Trump really, you know, pushed that whole thing over the edge. So just give us your take on why you think they're all so timid nowadays. I don't think they were. I don't think they're so timid as different from before, really. It's just that Trump was like a flashlight. He exposed the rot that was already there in the fake. Uh, narratives, it just came to light. More people were paying attention. He That was probably his greatest legacy, honestly. Out of all the things he did, it was the exposing of not only the media, but our institutions like the DOJ, academia, uh, Congress. He just, he just was a flashlight. And I would say that uh, the media has long had problems. Is it getting a bit worse? Yeah, just because they're maybe more overt about it because there's no reason to really hide it anymore, I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a new day and it's not the world we grew up in. That's for sure. And now it's now it's a matter of, OK, who's actually going to tell you the truth when so many people realize that the people in the media, they've got their own agenda. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, too, about the time after the election. And uh, we'll see how much you want to share about this. But so we had right after 2020, uh, Fox News was there, you know, kind of on the ropes because people are like, OK, what just happened here? And so then we get to this place of like, our wanted to feel safe and look you can get your licenses pulled you cannot get your how they do it really is that they just don't like you saw with oan recently one american news they don't renew your distribution contract and so essentially you you're not being shown and that's that's a big part of your business model so i get it but i also feel like if you're willing to hands and have courage that there's always a way made it's just having to trust that if you do that and the right thing, that it, it'll in the end work out in the way that's supposed to or for your good or that God has for you. But that's tough for some people. And also you got to look, a Biden administration had already told people 
They'd already told outlets during the, the 2020 campaign cycle that if you report on the Hunter Biden laptop, if you report on the clear uh, mental deterioration of the president, uh, then candidate Biden, you're going to be frozen out of a White House. And a lot of these news networks want access. Ultimately, it's about access. That's right. And then to go back to what you said a second ago, you have to ask yourself, are you looking for approval? Or are you looking for the truth? The establishment, there really is just one party there. And they sort of play at being opposed to one another. And maybe on certain issues, they're really opposed. It really comes down to taxation, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, sure. for Republicans, that's the hill they're always willing to die on in taxes. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a great point. The uniparty thing. And I, you know, I'd be interested to get your take on how it was too, with the group that was legitimately conservative and they wanted to do great things. And then they saw Trump. Here's the sauce. And Trump, you know, helped them stiffen their spine for a while. But then we got into the whole, well, maybe he's a Russian agent and all that. And they, you know, then they started to cave on that. But I mean, there was a window of time. Wouldn't you agree, though, that Trump was like giving all those folks like, hey, this may be our time to stand up and actually do the right thing here. And then it, then it faded. Some of them, yes, some of them, but then a lot of them were still pretty obstructive to his agenda. And look, Mitch McConnell didn't do any favors to the, the Trump agenda or the Trump White House. He was one of the biggest obstacles in uh, pushing for a lot of what Trump wanted to do. And I, it's, you know, it's funny because honestly, one of the members of Congress who was most behind what Trump wanted to do and really generally liked what he was doing, and I think is a pretty honest actor, uh, you know, I, out of all of them, he, he's he's more solid than any congressman I know there. And that's Thomas Massey from Kentucky. And remember, that was the one Trump blasted so hard on the day that they uh, were voting for the CARES Act. And mm -hmm. they were all, you know, on COVID lockdowns at their homes. They didn't want to come back to D.C. And Massey, like, forced a quorum on it because he's like, this is a massive amount of money. This is going to affect our children for decades. You have to come vote on this. And Trump called him, uh, said he was grandstanding, showboating. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it kind of flipped on it, didn't it? Yeah, no, that's yeah. a great point. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, that gets to, you know, back to what you say, you know, the uniparty and the money and never let a crisis go to waste. And see, this is where you can see genuine, right? So um, the guy interviewing her is, you know, uh very composed right um he seems genuine and i think he's not as natural as emerald but as you can see emerald she was she left oan she went to newsmax newsmax fired her because she wasn't going easy on the biden administration right and she would push for questions right they you know there's that's a journalist to watch right and see, when she got fired from Newsmax, she didn't get left out. She has her own show now on Frank's speech. Uh, of course, Mike Lindell was going to hire. He wants to make Frank TV, Frank TV. He needs to bring actual good, honest people that can put the news out, not like randos or, you know, posers, right? She gets a full blown, you know, um, uh, news, uh, you know, thing put together for her, uh, producers. She is an incredible journalist because she sticks to the truth and she has discernment and, you know, she will not sugarcoat things. Right. She's straight talk. And that is what's incredible.
And and this is why it's, it, it is actually an honor to say that that person's my friend, right? Because those are the type of people you want around when things are happening, right? And when things are being suffocated and when things are not being done right, because a lot of people do, you know, pieces to, to ooh and ah, right? Talking about doxing, right? Doxing. See, the thing is, the right doxes a lot. They say they don't, but they do. They're actually worse. The left is rabid because they use their isms and, you know, all that. But the right, oh, they will get you fired. They will get you audited. Do you know that people use their office to fuck you if you do not endorse them? See, the left won't do that. They'll do catty shit, like send a bunch of you know libtards your way or call you sexist or racist. The right is uh, tidier than this. Now, I'm going to show you a report of doxing and the oohs and the ahs, where the source of it should have been like, okay, Fair enough. I guess we want to make that 2018 movement great again, huh? Lots of questions here. We hope we can get to the bottom of all of them. We're going to start tonight by talking to the creator of Libs of TikTok, who joins us right now by phone. And we appreciate your coming on. Um, so I just have to ask, because I'm really interested, why do you suppose the German government wanted to shut down your Twitter feed? Um, well, I think that what I'm doing is very effective. And I think that a lot of people wanted to shut me down. They wanted to intimidate me into silence. Um, and unfortunately for them, that's just never going to happen. Well, I'm, I'm grateful to hear that you're not intimidated. Were you a little surprised to see, of all people, Taylor Lorenz, who complained bitterly when we used her name on the air <laughs> several months ago, who whined and cried on television because she had PTSD because people were criticizing her online. Were you surprised that it was her? who came after you personally and tried to destroy your life? Yeah, I thought that was really humorous. I, I, it added a, a really nice nice layer of humor on top of the whole story. Um, and I think that the fact that it was Taylor Lorenz, who is a known you know, hypocrite and she is known to dox people, the fact that it was her that was doing all this, um, it, I think it just helped people uh, rally with support for me. Have you noticed, I mean, I, I know you're not a psychiatrist, or perhaps you are, I, d I don't know who you are, um, but are you surprised that the people who are the most deeply enmeshed in narcissism, who talk about themselves the most, are also capable of the greatest cruelty? Have you noticed that trend? Um, yes, I've noticed that a lot. I've noticed it with a lot of TikToks as well. Um, I think it's a little bit of a trend on the left. Yeah. I, I, I talk about, I, I obsess over myself, so I'm willing to, to hurt you. So what's your status as, since we have you on the phone, how are you doing tonight? Where are, I mean, you don't need to tell us where you are, but how has this affected your life, this Jeff Bezos piece? Well, it's, the past two days have been very chaotic and overwhelming. Um, I have to make some travel plans, you know, really fast, but I wasn't planning on earlier, so... There was a little bit of coordination that had to happen, um, and I'm now in a location where I don't think anyone would find me, um, not in any of the locations that Taylor Lorenz leaked or that anyone can find. Um, yeah. But I, it's, it's been a little bit tough, but I'm not going to let this get me down. 
Well, I hope we see you in our studio someday. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. So like he said, the people that talk about themselves and how righteous they are, I knew, let me tell you what's going on, are the ones that are capable of doing the most cruel acts. That's what real demons are like. And again, Taylor Renz is just one of them, right? Patrick Berge's another one. So you can see a left and a right. They're no different. They are the same. They are disgusting human beings. And the thing is, they get egged on by other disgusting human beings because, you know, I was watching. um, So a group of investigators that I've been working with um, showed me a reel of messages. And so we've identified all the people that have the Twitter handles and uh, telegram handles and everything. So we were just looking at this stuff today. I was just perusing through it. And, you know, they were like, this is, and I was like, you know, I really, you know, what's sad that there are people out there either posing that they're, if they're conservatives, that's crazy. Right. But they're actually hoping that Patrick Byrne fails, that anything that anybody does fails, even if their country fails. That tells you what kind of evil, like one of them was like, yeah, her case is going to thrown out. Then what? And it's like, bitch, what are you doing on your couch? Actually, I was just going to say the name. Ooh, good for that delay. Boom. So it's like, why would you say that? That just goes to show that because of hate, you are okay with your country failing. And it circles back to the beginning of this show where I said, because they hated Austin Steinbart so much, they lost an easy fight we could have won to avoid what's happening right now with J6. But they didn't because they were too busy indulging in their seven deadly sins. See, The nature of lies. So weird. Lies always have intentions. Why do you lie? Um, You lie about your age because you don't want to feel too old, right? Or because you want to get in and have a drink, right? Your intention is a goal, right? Um, You lie um, uh, because of your, your, the size of your bank account. You don't need people knowing that you're negative $200 and most of that shit's fees, Right. They don't need to know that because then they'll label you as, you know, irresponsible and unable to maintain your finances and na, 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 na. Right. So you lie about that. Uh, people lie about a lot of things. The intention behind it is usually to protect yourself. Right. And those lies, I know they're still lies. They're just to protect you. They're not intended to cause harm. Right. So they're not intended to cause harm. So, yeah, you lied about your age. Yeah. Don't need anybody knowing how old I am. You lied that your bank account has like $500 in it when it has, you know, negative $500. Yeah. Cause it's none of your business. You lied. You said you were, you know, hundred pounds. Uh, yeah. Not everybody needs to know that I'm 230 pounds. <laughs> right. I'm just saying like pointing it out. Right. Those are intentions. The intention behind your action, even in a lie is what is important. Always when you assess a situation. Now, when your intention behind a lie or what is it called? The version of truth or that's what you remember or that's how you see it or this is what the evidence tells you. All this bullshit, right? It's still a lie. When your intention is to cause harm and infliction on others. Yeah. 
you better believe it. That shit comes back tenfold. And, and that's when you end up looking like that guy, Bergie, right? That's when you end up looking like a loser, you know, uh, being broke, you know, and, and, and begging people to listen to you on the tombstone. It'll say, I am a verified and that's it. That's, that's how it'll be done. That's how it'll be done because intentions matter. See, reality in general is better as a truth, right? Because <laughs> our speech matters because it casts spells. And when you have bitterness driving truth, you can't present reality because it, res- it, it creates false conceptions. Because there's a lot of times that you've seen CNN talk shit over the years, right? And it's not because they weren't saying truth. It was because they were so bitter and so driven that it gave a false conception of what it was, right? So the problem that people have is that they claim that, oh, I truth not, I care about consequences. Well, when your truth is driven by bitterness, your consequences are so huge, you have no idea what's coming for you. Because aside from being a person that creates a malicious intention and with the intent to cause harm, to inflict pain, to make allegations that would be considered criminal. Like that's asking for trouble. And see, it it was almost like this, you know, when I, I remember when I was under assault by the late now suicided North Dakota attorney general, right? He suicided himself. Nobody did it for him. Um, I was thinking like what their intention was not to put me in jail because they searched my whole life, couldn't find a crime. So they couldn't find a crime. They, they had all this bullshit in there. And I was like, why is that there? If that's true and I did that shit and that's fraud, why am I not in jail? Because they didn't care about that. Their intention was to taint my name. They used crimes that, com- that were committed against me to taint my name. The intention was huge. And, you know, I was struggling and I was like, yep, I'm going to go. Yep. I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to sue. And it was like, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. You know, it's got to be at the good time. The time when people don't have time for that shit. You know, it's like a car accident that, you know, you know how shit happens when you can't afford it. Right. Happens all the time. Like the other day, the dog's pooping everywhere. And it's like, really, we can't afford to just go to the vet and just do shit, like run blood work and find out why puppy Talos, you know, is, you know, (laughs) let's give him pumpkin and rice and see how that works. Right. Why is it happening now when things are being pulled on a tight leash? Right. Obviously, we made it work, but I'm saying it always it always comes for you when it's inconvenient. So like right now, this North Dakota case is coming at a very inconvenient time for that state. And it was, and I couldn't have even planned it even better that it's being filed this month because you have to send them a letter. Hey, I intend to sue you. Hey, you have to send them this. And now the attorney general died. So we had to like change all the, the verbiage and shit, you know, feelings and all. 
Can't put suicide in there. <laughs> right. Can't put told you so sealed indictments. Told you so been testifying for years. Told you so you had to sit there and you had to, you had to wait. You had to be patient. And my lawyers are working on that right now. So it comes at a time that is inconvenient because when you get payback, you get payback at a time that's inconvenient. Now you're going to tell me, why do you get payback for Talos? Well, I'll tell you, it was actually my fault. He had the shits. <laughs> so there we go. That was payback <laughs> for something that I had. And it was like, oops, that was my bad. My bad. That was super payback. My bad. Um, but anyway, I'll leave it at that. Um, so false conceptions are created by people that drive narratives through bitterness and biased lenses. And so, and this happens all the time. And you know why people are bitter? Even in the media, right? And Emerald was someone that people would have loved to be here. She was free. She didn't give a shit. She was like, I'm about the truth and I'm just going to report the truth. And God will guide me as he's guided me here. Here's, here's the deal, right? That unfortunately people compare themselves to other people. And then there's envy. It's like, I'm thinner, prettier. And I, and I have like more followers. Why am I not successful? And then, you know, this fat girl is, you know, uh, I'm Ali Akbar and I'm friends with MTG and all these people who he's not, but he says that, but because he says it, it's supposed to be true. Uh, why are people listening to this fat girl? This is just a comparison. Okay. See, everybody does it. Oh, my hair's not as good as Ariana Grande's, which, by the way, she has a weave anyway. But let's pretend it was all real. See, the problem that 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 drives the what the source of driving bitterness is comparing yourself to others. That is the biggest mistake people have done. The only person that you should be comparing yourself to is the person you were yesterday, right? The person you were yesterday is who you compare yourself to and try to be better or try to emulate or, you know, one up, right? You don't try to one up other people because you don't know their backstory. I'm sure a lot of you probably didn't know Emerald came from a little town. Her dad's a pastor. She's super Christian. And, you know, she was at soap operas. She came around. She did this. You didn't know that. And you don't know what goes on in someone's home, what their pain is, if they're sick, if they're happy, you know, what they go. You don't know anything. You know nothing of what pains and struggles ail them. All you see is whatever you see on TV, on the street, in the store, in your church. That's it. You don't see the pain that they suffer through. So do not ever try to compare yourself to someone else except for yourself yesterday. And this takes me to um, the story of Cain Nabel. Cain and Abel were literally the first two human beings on the planet, right? That were born because Adam and Eve were apparently created. Well, Cain and Abel would do sacrifices apparently to God, however they stated it. They would sacrifice things. But for some reason, Abel, whatever he sacrificed, could have been the same thing Cain did, but he was successful and Cain wasn't. So both of them would do sacrifices and do whatever, but only one of them was successful. 
And see, just so you understand, a sacrifice is to let go of something you need and want now, and you do that to improve your future. That's what a sacrifice is. So when I was working and doing whatever I was doing, right, it was because I was sacrificing my personal time, me seeing birthdays, me seeing weddings, me seeing funerals, because I was sacrificing that because I wanted a better nation. Obviously, I wasn't on the right side. Long story on that one, right? But the problem that we have is that we have to understand what a sacrifice is, and it's simply letting go of what you want now. And all you have to do is try to improve your future. That's why you're letting it go. Now, Cain, his offering apparently wasn't accepted, or but Abel's were, even though they were the same. So <clears throat> if you're someone that thinks you're working hard, but you're really not, or you are working hard, but it's just not working out for you. It's like, you know, trying to be a comedian and, and you're not funny. You know, you're going to get bitter. Uh, why is Chris Rock booking all the Apollo and shit? I should be there. I'm important. Kind of like Bergie. I'm a verified na na na. I should be the one with the audience. I need to tell everyone so they stop listening to her and listen to me. And it's like, see, that's bitterness. I'm pointing to examples that you can relate to because you understand them. So same thing happens with reporters, you know, amongst themselves. Why is she getting all the like, White House stuff and doing all this stuff? You know, um, I'm working really hard. Yeah, but you're not approachable. Nobody likes you, right? You're not. Emerald's nice, okay? She's approachable. She's honest. She won't do you dirty. That's why no one goes to Maggie Haberman. Hey, I've got a scoop, but can you promise to cover me? Sure. Fingers crossed behind the back. Next thing you know, they're strung up and the FBI is banging down their door. You see what I mean? You become bitter, right? And then your, your, your reputation precedes you. And God, when he told <laughs> Cain, what the problem was, he said, sin has made an entry into your home. You invited evil and you created an evil union with it. This is why your voice, this is why your sacrifices are unheard. See, that's the epitome of recompense. When you create a union with evil, when you do things maliciously, to self-serve yourself, but not serve others. You open up that door and then you start to change. I just want you to compare pictures. This is how you see their faces progress. You can actually see the evil take hold. You can't not unsee it. You can't. You can't. Hey, let me give you an example. So, and without naming names, but I'm sure they're going to be a witness. Um, one person said to me that there was some event somewhere in Florida and Bergie said, you know, you should be doing these events. We should be doing things. You guys should be supporting me and giving me your money and listening to what I have to say. The guy's like, but you're not giving us the news. You're not teaching us anything. doesn't matter. You just need to read my book and promote my book. And I need to go around and talk about Shadowgate. Cause that's a, why are you guys supporting Tori or Millie? Like they're just, they're just props. Tori, she says she's a time traveler and, and who believes that? And it's like, yeah, see, he's, tech guy doesn't even understand predictive fucking analytics, but okay. And you know, 
whatever. And he's upset because he realizes how much influence I had without my name on it and doesn't understand why I haven't utilized it either. And he actually told someone that. And that someone has kept that secret. And, and, and that person, that was the last time that person met with him, never looked back, couldn't believe it, right? Couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. Cynical and bitter and devoted to nothing but no good. And that, my friends, is how you invite evil in. When you want to serve yourself and hurt others. See, it's not a bad thing to want to serve yourself. It's not a bad thing to want to sell, you know, your jewelry, your products, right? That's, that's a trade. But it's bad when you want to enrich yourself and cause pain while you do it because that's how you enrich yourself. Does that make sense? And I say this because this is important. Important in the sense that we have a lot of people that are supposed to be uh, having the ear of many Americans, And the bitterness has skewed their perception of truth and what they put out. And angry at just existing is angry at everyone and it's pure poison. It's almost like a friend that aims down, you know, all the time. Have you ever had a friend that's cynical and and bitter? Like, you know, you don't need to surround yourself with people like that. They get upset when you're happy. They get upset, uh, upset when, you, when you're successful. This is how I see all these social media influencers. Rather than be excited that someone is, oh, that's great. They got the audience to understand this. How can I emulate that? Let me help. You know, let me this, right? It would have been an incredible thing. It's, 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 it's just so you know, it's an ethical responsibility to yourself to surround yourself with people that have the courage to applaud you for doing good. Right. And good friends will also smack you upside the head and they'll tell you that you're wronging yourself all the time. And this is what I guess social media influencers should have been. They should have been people that were promoting each other, not circle jerking, not sharing the same message. Oh, I'm going to tweet this. You tweet that too. Oh, I'm going to post this. You post that too. We didn't want congestion and repeating of messages. What we wanted was a unified front to push forward actual information. That's all we wanted. And that is all the people really need. And unfortunately, we couldn't have that because people were too busy with themselves. And that is a problem. See, they were thumping this loser that I told you so long ago, and I'm going to keep saying, told you so, told you so, told you so, that has been, they've been trying to link everyone to this guy. And you hear that he had a plan to storm the Capitol. Did you hear that during the Marjorie Taylor Greene interview that they had a map that Ali Akbar made so they can infiltrate the Capitol? Oh, no, you didn't, did you? Well, maybe you'll hear it now. Here we go. We'll come back to that. Um, now, when you said, 
this is our 1776 moment. You knew that some of the people who felt that Donald Trump was the rightful winner of the 2020 election used that term to refer to the possibility of violence on January 6th, 2021. No, I never heard anyone talking about violence for January 6th. You've never Absolutely heard anyone? Not. You've never heard about anyone using the term 1776 to refer to the possibility. I would never. Let me finish use... my question, Representative. Okay, excuse me, sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. No, I apologize. Cut me off. Yeah. You've never heard anybody say, use the term 1776 as a code word for violence to occur on January 6, 2021. No, absolutely not. Uh, are you you're familiar with a group called the Proud Boys? I've heard of them. And you know that. The Proud Boys, um, it has developed, had a written plan for conduct on January 6, 2021, right? No, I did not know that. Okay. Um, the Proud Boys are an extremist, violent group. You would agree with that? I don't know much about the Proud Boys. You've never heard that they're a violent extremist group? I've heard about them. I don't know what they do. I. I don't know much about the Proud Boys. And you haven't heard that the written plan attributed to the Proud Boys for January 6th was called 1776 Returns. No, Never I heard. have no idea anything about that. Never heard that. Okay. Let's pull up uh, PX39. This is an article that appeared uh, in the New York Times on March 14, 2020. Uh, entitled Document in Jan 6 Case Shows Plan to Storm Government Buildings. Uh, do you see this document? I've never seen it, no. Let me, let me get you a copy so you can have a look. Uh, do you need a number? It's uh, 30. Screen, did you see a story in the New York Times or in any other publication or media outlet in March of 2022 about the Proud Boys having a written plan to storm government buildings on January 6th? No, I've, I've never, I never recalled, never heard anything about it. Never heard of that. Um, never heard that that was called 1776 returns, that plan that the government. So I did. I saw it, but it wasn't the Proud Boys. I saw it. And alleges. Proud Boys had to storm government buildings? No, I've never heard of it. You were aware prior to January 6th that 1776 referred to an idea or a plan 
for people who were opposed to the certification of the Electoral College vote to infiltrate and occupy buildings in D.C.? No. Never, never heard that. No. Um, and you were aware prior to January 6, 2021, that 1776 was the term that people were using to describe a plan or an idea to physically interfere and prevent the Electoral College vote. No, I don't know anything about that. Okay, you can put that to one side. We um, talked a little bit about a person named Allie Alexander this morning. Do you remember that testimony? Mm -hmm. And you said somebody you've met on a number of occasions. Is that fair? I've, I've seen him a couple times. I, I don't remember when, and it's not someone I know. Um, let's um, pull up 67, please. BS 67, Ms. Wells. You know that person? That's Ali Alexander. Okay, let, let's thank you. Let's go to um, minute eleven twenty. This is a, this is a rather long clip, and, and I'm going to take you to the middle of it, around eleven minutes and twenty seconds. For anything, go ahead. Members of Congress are on a committee. Um, Congressman Steve King was the only one who was yanked off of all committees. Um, but, so that's not true. Um, so avoid the disinformation, avoid the division. We are here to continue pressing forward. Yeah, Congresswoman Marjorie uh, Green, my favorite, she's coming in, a friend of mine, she's coming in, she'll uh, be whatever. So a friend of mine? Let me tell you something. So Marjorie simply took pictures with him and some losers that protected Ali Akbar, right? Um, you know, kind of inserted him everywhere uh, because apparently having a black Arab looking guy inbred is supposedly a good look, right? Especially when he has a history of being like passed around top evil Republicans as a toy. I don't see how that's okay. And when he's known for blackmail, I don't see how that's okay. But he says a friend of mine. Now, if you guys remember his first interview that he did with that girl, some bitch I know, and some other loser guy, I don't even remember. I shouldn't call him a loser. I take that back. I apologize. Someone that's very vanilla. How's that? And he sat there and he's like, oh, you know, it's like I just say that I know these people because then I use their influence and then I become bigger and bigger. Do you guys remember that? How he said that? That's exactly what he does. He doesn't know any of these people. And on Truth Social, he put out a statement like Marjorie Taylor Greene did nothing wrong. You're doing her no fucking favors, you loser, because she's not your friend. OK, you took a picture with her and you were convincing everyone that you were running all of these freaking events. You conned one of the biggest minds, too, that I I mean, come on. He worked within the Trump administration, like he's supposed to be smart. There he is covering for his boyfriend now. And I'm so confused. Like with actual important people, we actually sat there and we all looked like we had our thumbs up our ass because we were like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. And they all looked at me like, if anyone's going to know what's going on, you're going to know. I'm like, why are you guys looking at me? Like, fuck if I know, right? Like, why would anyone be, you know, trying to help the boyfriend of Ali Akbar unless... Unless sometimes it's okay to make mistakes and it is very okay to make mention of these mistakes, right? And 
when you make these mistakes and you acknowledge them, it's better than trying to cover them up, right? Because when you're trying to cover them up, even though it's something innocent, like, dude, like I was duped. I literally thought this guy was running the show. Like everyone made it sound like that, right? I was duped. And see, what's weird is, is that they want her not to be able to run because apparently, you know, she is part of the Proud Boys and Ali Akbar because Ali Akbar says she's my friend. And it's like he says everybody is his friend as long as they're giving him clout. Okay. As long as they're giving him clout. So weird thing is, is that today they allowed Fincham and all of them to go. How? Fincham's Twitter was being run by Ali Akbar. You see? Pay attention. Who walks and who doesn't? Okay? See, she's put on a spot like this while the others take a walk. Right? You see how that goes? Right? Ali Akbar was running his fucking Twitter. I showed you the, the texts that he's running it. And yet, with a, yeah, she's my friend, because that inbred said so. It's true. Like, anybody can say that. You know, anybody can say that. Now, you may like MTG. You may not like her, right? I really don't care. Bottom line is, is this fair? When we know that Mark Fincham had Ali Akbar tweeting for him, we have the evidence of that, and yet he's not demeaned to this position to be tied up with them. Look, Marjorie just got into Congress. She was taking pictures. She was taking advice. She's new. Okay. She may have made a mistake citing or sitting by people that to take pictures. Okay. You like her or not, we got to keep it objective, right? You got to keep it objective. Again, because if we were objective when Austin Steinbart was in, we wouldn't have the ability to have people for J6 still in jail a year later with no fucking trial. Okay. We need to be paying attention regardless if they're bad people, bad actors, acids, good, whatever. Let's stick to the foundations of the law and what is right and what is wrong. That is all we look at. We don't say, oh, because I don't like her. She needs to go down. Okay. You may not like her. She may be a snake. She may be against our nation. She may be a lot of things, right? Whatever. You don't know that. Whatever, whatever it is. At the core of it, though, she's an American. At the core of it, though, they targeted her to keep her off the ballot by using this. That was wrong. Because all they had was that loser saying she's my friend, right? And they weren't. Yet, he was sending text messages with Mark Fincham, and that wasn't used against him. Okay. He wasn't sending text messages with, he was tweeting for Mark Fincham. Okay. Let's stay objective. See, objectivity is really, really hard when you're emotionally charged. The emotions drive everything. You have good emotions, you get good shit done. You have bad emotions, you look like shit. Look at Bergie. You look like shit. You look like crap. You can't come back from that. You're a loser. You're single. You're by yourself. I'm single too. Not a loser though. I'm pretty happy with myself. Right. I'm just saying. The, the, the bottom line is you put out bad emotions, you get bad shit back. Now, so don't be bad on giving out bad emotions. Don't, and like I said, intentions matter, right? Intentions matter because your intention and your bitterness drives your truth and therefore it, con it creates false conceptions. So again, when you're bitter and angry, you make shit up. 
because oh, everyone's out to get me. Nobody even knows who the fuck you are. Like, shut up. No one would know your name. Please go away. Like, you're not important. Done. Right? Done. Bitterness drives your truth. Huh? It can't. You can't have truth when you're bitter. It's all going to be a false conception. When you're angry, you're going to have false conceptions, right? When you're paranoid, you're going to have false conceptions. Keep it down to the basics. So down to the basics is that. That she has been targeted for a very specific reason with something so stupid like he said she that you guys are friends. And it's like, so? It's because he says so. It doesn't mean it's true. Somebody could walk out and say, I'm like Patrick Burgie's like, Tori and I were friends. Dude, I embraced you for like two months. And then I fucking cut you loose. We were not that close. I smelled you from a mile away. Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <sighs> so moving along next, we're going to, uh, we're going to um, analyze president Trump's speech yesterday. It was actually quite fiery and quite important. Now, the reason I'm bringing um, all this intention and bitterness up is that, again, as I was looking through with investigators, like actual government ones, right, where we were going through things, I was seeing that there were a lot of comments from people that were hoping that the Arizona audit would fail, the Wisconsin audit would fail, just because they didn't like the people. Like, Flynn is so bad, he just needs to go drop dead. And and Patrick Byrne is CFR. I hope he fails in Arizona. But elections were stolen, and it's like, that makes no sense. You want the elections to be shown that they were stolen, but the guy that actually paid for it and tried to do it, uh, you give zero fucks if he fails. And if he fails, we all fail. Okay. So I saw this going on, right? And I thought it was important to bring it up because today I, I, I put an article together just to show you these people that nobody talks about, right? Um, and what I, what, why I did this is because we are seeing so much polarization right now. And, and I'm not talking left and right or up and down, right? And when the real war is really up and down, right? But within the conservative movement or non-libtard movement, let's put it that way, because we've got more people in the non-libtard movement, non-woke movement, right? It's extremely polarizing within itself. Because what we are doing is that we're destroying camps and we're creating this tribalism that's really not good. It's really not good. That never ends well when you create tribal actors, when you've got your burgers. I know everything. Every general fucked up and they owe me money from clear Ford. Give it to me. Then you have your, your you know, your Jordan Sather. What the fuck role does he play? I have no idea. Okay. I, I really don't. Right. But he pretends to have inside knowledge. Right. Brian Cates then says he has inside knowledge. It's like, my information is better than yours. Let's create this tribalism, right? Jack Posobiec. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Then we have Steve Bannon camp, which I pretty much share with him. Uh, you know, we have all these people that opine and say things, right? And they're creating like these tribes, 
right? These tribes, and I'm like not getting it. You know, then you've got your Cash Patel. Again, what the fuck is Cash Patel doing? Like, I am so fucking confused right now. But anyway, um, you've got those. You've got the Ali Akbar camps that are telling you they're conservative. And, and they love Jesus, but they have orgies with little kids. But whatever. Moving along. Uh, tribalism is not good. Okay. We've got, you know, uh, Professor Clements, you know, we have Lynn Wood, General Flynn, Patrick Byrne, all of these people are infighting and creating this tribalistic thing when we should all say, all right, you know, guys, you could pull each other's hair out, but can we do that later? Can we just focus on this? And now because they're destroying it and they want to, mm, all right, well, they're destroying it. Can we just focus on this shit right here, please? Can, can we come over here? Let's not disenfranchise people that are fucking confused with politics right now with more politics. Cause this is micro politics. We got the big politics, which is we've decided that we are not woke. And then we have everyone in the not woke camp, which includes libtards, liberals that are moving right. And then we've got the extreme crazy rights, you know, the Alex Jones section, Proud Boys section, whatever. And then we have everyone else in between. And then in there, once you get into that camp, you're like, yeah, these are my people. They believe in freedom. They believe in guns. They believe in the Constitution. And they're like, nah, man, if you follow him, I'm not your friend. If you take a picture with him, you're evil. If you're this and it's like, come on, stop. This is not good. Because this is how they get away with shit. Okay, let me point to you to this guy named Austin Evers. I wrote an article about him. So um, I had this weird conversation and I have no idea why the fuck Brad Pascal is working for President Trump again. I mean, I'm not understanding it at all. So anyway, I had a conversation with him and then for whatever reason, I stopped myself before I handed over a drive. Good, good idea. It was better that I give it to the right people anyway. But I thought that I would, you know. Here, let me make it quick or pop it in your plane or whatever. But I didn't. Why? Oh, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, 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 totally, totally. We're going to get Trump to like totally endorse LaRose. And I was like, why would you do that? And he was like, yeah, because, yeah. And I was like, are you kidding? He's like spearheading a lawsuit along with Katie Hobbs and a bunch of other Secretary of State to charge him with the crime of trying to overthrow a government. Yeah, no, he's totally endorsing him. And I'm like, okay. I just spoke those words. Did they like not go through the ear process or something? And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to step away for a second. And so I thought I'll provide the information to where I need to, to the avenues that I have to obviously, um, you know, file the federal reports, et cetera, because you always let the FBI know, regardless if they're going to do anything. And then you pass on the information. Then I wrote an article that way. Journalists that want to take my work and then pretend it's there in a, theirs in a few weeks, they can cite, you know, they could get information faster. Okay. So Austin Evers, he worked for a law firm uh, that, um, that represented Hillary Clinton when she was undergoing the email probe. Okay. And um, he was at the State Department and he was um, responsible for running interference, like uh, the FOIA request for those uh, for for her emails. So anytime someone would ask for an email, he would check if he can give them the email. He would stymie. He would slow walk. He wouldn't give it. He was he was running interference and deleting shit. OK, basically, that's what was going on. So um Austin Evers uh, is a lawyer. He worked for the State Department. His job was primarily sitting on Hillary Clinton's emails and blocking access. 
in January of 2017, on uh, like th- December 31st, 2016, he left the State Department and he created a company, right? And this company that he created get this, was called American Oversight. And if you go back as far as you're allowed to, which is March 2017, you'll see that the website says in their catchphrase is, we're going to hold the Trump administration. The American people have the right. Um, we're going to no, we're going to be holding the Trump administration response accountable or responsible because Congress won't. And it's like the dude hasn't even sworn in yet. How do you know that Congress isn't going to hold them responsible? Like, where are you coming off with that information? Right. So ever started this American oversight company and it just kept coming and coming, proving Russia was the right thing, uh, proving Trump was a Russian agent, all in money, though, money. Wait till you find out who seeded this fucking company and you're going to be like, stop it. Right. Stop. But so this guy left from running interference, just like Peter Strzok did, right? First thing he learned emails, then he went on to Mueller. This guy leaves there and then he runs into American Oversight and creates this organization who seated the Capitol, very important, and starts investigating anything about President Trump. And then when he was doing that, the elections happened. And then he started following all these people that were doing audits, Right. So like, for example, Maricopa County, he planted people to be volunteers so they could sabotage the fucking audit. And here's the thing. They weren't able to sabotage it because it was that perfectly done by the book. So instead, they went after the cyber ninjas who they've completely made broke. Like Doug doesn't have a pot to piss in. Like his company shut down. He's been doing this for so long. You know, I believe that there was some hanky panky, but we're going to get to it because I'm going to ask a couple of people to do a couple of foyers for me. Um, we need a mass amount to actually to be done because this is going to show everything. This is why I brought up Austin Ever so that way you guys can read the article and be ready for that shit. So what happened was this guy was the one suing against cyber ninjas against the audit not only there but in michigan and freaking uh wisconsin and pennsylvania they were everywhere right everywhere trying to sabotage all efforts and what pains me is that like how is this even okay right how is this even okay wait hold on let me share the the article screen so you guys can see it give me a sec Apparently, Ayara Garden is doing a lot of ads on my page. I didn't even slot them in there. So it's like super weird. So this is the guy who also was the author at the Arizona Mirror that did a lot of trash talking about Maricopa County, by the way. Just wanted to say the audit. And so Cyber Ninjas responds to American Oversight's second amended complaint and audit lawsuit. Right. So they're just suing the shit out of cyber ninjas. So now the cyber ninjas business is bankrupt and it's gone. They have no more money. Um, American oversight is suing the individual. Like, how do you do that? How does everybody get away with having, you know, ABC one, ABC two, ABC three, ABC three gets sued. ABC one and two are fine. But in this case, it's not. So it's really weird. So apparently this guy bribed, blackmailed or paid off a shit ton of judges and legislators. Like it's, it's crazy. And so I was just like, ding, this is really messed up. Um, not only that, he did this, um, other, um, 
in Wisconsin, where he filed against as well. And listen to this. American Oversight obtains previously deleted records from Wisconsin election investigation. The documents include an email to Voss from Trump allied lawyer, allied lawyer Victoria Tusing sent in early June 2021, less than two weeks after Voss announced that he would be hiring investigators to conduct an election review. Tusing, a longtime associate of Trump, attorney Rudy Giuliani, had worked with Giuliani to dig up dirt on Biden's in Ukraine and later assisted in the former president's legal effort to overturn his 2020 election laws. Why is this important? Right. Because just like people post pictures of me with people, how do you know why I'm around people? Let me ask you a question. I actually befriended one of the most horrific human beings in hopes, obviously, that they change their ways and stop thinking that money is their God, right? But I have people that I associate with that I've embraced that have fucked me so hard. It's not even funny, right? That have backstabbed me and are backstabbing me right now, okay? Right now, as we speak, backstab, backstab. Because I, I believe in Carmen, that shit's going to come so hard. But anyway, I have aligned myself with a lot of people. One person that I can be completely transparent with is I simply adore Patrick Byrne. He'd, even if he did something wrong, I would still be his friend. I would be the friend that says, you suck, you suck, let's smoke a cigarette. But you still suck. I love you and, and I can't stand that you did this. But let's still so because I like him as a person. Okay. End of story. I totally freaking love the shit out of the guy. He could do wrong. He does a lot of wrong. And he'll be the first one to tell you all we do is fight on a lot of shit. And that's what real friends do. They can have different opinions. They can have different things. And when they do wrong, you can tell them, look, I love the inside of you, but your shit's like not doing it for me. Like this is all bad. Right. But there's a lot of people, um, you know, that I have um, acquaintance relationships with that may not be because I simply adore them. Okay. I'm just trying to make that clear. Okay making it clear. So this is a guilt by association bullshit that the left does. Oh, look, picture. And then they're like, no, guilt by association doesn't work just because I'm posing with a kid. And then you're like, well, well, you know, and then, <laughs> well, and then you have all these people saying guilt by association. Dude, you don't know what that, stop it. Stop, stop. You have no idea what kind of relationship someone else has with someone. Again, you can't compare yourself to someone else. Okay. You can't compare yourself to someone else and you cannot absolutely not make any sort of claims that are valid to say, because you are in proximity with someone that you align with their values. That's the biggest, most retarded thing. Because then I could sit there and say, Sydney Powell, you had Ali Akbar right behind you. Therefore, you are part of it. Oh, Linwood too, because he was standing right behind you. Like, how the fuck would they know who they are? Like I said that. Oh, I told them after it happened. Okay. What did you want them to do? Fucking throw a parade and say Ali Akbar is a loser? Like, please, right? No one's going to hold them accountable. But for some reason, right, they're holding other people accountable. Guilt by association. And this is what the left is pushing.
See, they're saying that all these people that were doing the audits were doing it because Trump said so. So Trump gave the order to do the audits. That's false. Trump paid for it. That's false. Trump this for it. That's false. Why? Because if they can prove that President Trump gave the order for the audits to happen, or if they can prove that he paid for it, for the audits to happen, then guess what? Then they can say that this is a previous president attempting to overthrow a duly elected government. And you're going to say it's not duly elected. Yeah, like that stopped them from making him president. Get the fuck out of here. You see what I'm saying? There are bigger fish to fry, kind of like Ali Akbar. What did I say? Ali Akbar, right, was simply making himself proximal to important people. And it started with the plot against the president. That's where I saw it. And I thought to myself, why would Amanda Millis line up with Daniel Bostic? Did he give her money? Where did he get the money from? Oh, let me guess. Ali the fuck Akbar. Because they were dating, right? You saw them on the video all cooing at each other and shit. So, so sick. So anyway, so... Uh, that's where I saw it, that they were giving proximity to felons through plot against the president. And I'm not just talking Akbar. Proximity to all these people, one by one. And I, I, I said it again and again and again and again. You know, that was my concern, the proximity that they were building towards them. Which would make sense why cash would be all over Dan Bostic, since Daniel Bostic was boyfriend with Ali Akbar, that he's throwing some cover. But they don't under, they still don't get the oh, cash Patel thing. Like, what the fuck is he doing? Like somebody, maybe cash can answer that question. Like cash, what the fuck are you doing? Cause you've got a lot of us with our thumbs up our ass saying what is going on. But anyway, but that's where the proximity started. And then I saw randomly him before he attacked Millie saying how the president is listening to him. And I'm thinking, the fuck? What? So I saw it and I was like, what the hell is going on here? This is crazy. Then he came for me. And I was like, wait a minute, what? He came for me not because he was targeting me. They were targeting Millie, right? They just used me as a segue because I was low-hanging fruit. I had all that shit from the attorney general. Again, he put crimes in there and there's literally transcript of me saying, dude, you just said I committed a crime. Take me to criminal court. No, we don't want criminal court. Why? You said I did a crime, so let's go to criminal court. Because it's not fucking real, right? You just follow that shit. Anyway, so I was low-hanging fruit, right? Low-hanging fruit. And they used me so that they can discredit Millie. But you can't discredit someone that's speaking truth. So instead, they need to discredit the person that has the documentation. So then you make them crazy. You make them hungry. I mean, you just hack their shadow. We need money. So, right, that's it. I need money. I my book. So he discredits himself and therefore the information. Anyway, guilty by association is what it is. And so this is why, you know, he's sitting in a corner nowhere and I'm not. You know, I'm just saying the difference between credibility, right? It's not what it used to be. You can't discredit truth. So anyway, um, here we have... A guy that went from the State Department covering up for Hillary Clinton to creating a huge organization that's apparently nonprofit. <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. Like, shut up. Uh, <laughs> a nonprofit. <laughs> a nonprofit. <laughs> Just a nonprofit. Not. <laughs> I can't say nonpartisan. It's stupid. But um, 
So what he's done is that he's creating the case to say that he's hurting the democracy, he's a danger to the democracy, that they need to censor the former president and they need to charge him with a crime. So <clears throat> in this article, there's a, um, a 2021 uh, video. And um, in that video, uh, we have Secretary of States uh, that are having conversations on how they convinced people in 2020 that mail-in ballots were safe, that um, they um, are what they're doing. You see Katie Hobbs there, Raffensburg, you see all of them, right? And they're priding themselves. But out of them, 24 of them have come together to actually file a lawsuit against President Trump. And they're gearing up to get this done. So they're hoping that Austin Evers brings the trophy home with all the information to do it. So now they've got that. They've got J6. I mean, come on. They're coming at this man like nine freaking stop. These are all comments from my sources that, because I've been working on this um, just to figure out. So I still have sources. Come on, man. We used to contract out. Anyway. The communications between the Secretary of State and Evers were frequent. In Wisconsin, he was able to flush out many friendlies to obtain information in regards to efforts. Another source says, specifically lawyers we encouraged to place there, such as Sorrell. So apparently, someone must have hijacked Kelly Sorrell to get to some court in Michigan or something, I think. Um, and that was from that conversation or Wisconsin. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. So that way they knew that they can set them up to hijack their communications to see who they were talking to. So they're not necessarily bad people. They just framed them in the position that later they would be able to go and confiscate devices, anything they wanted so they can get information, right? Um, many of them spoke with senior leadership and persons close to Trump. Uh, so, you know, the people that they had as assets, they knew they were in communication with the Trump campaign and th directly, therefore they could subpoena communications. This is why Tory doesn't have that kind of communication. See, Tory only has, what is it called? Oh, what's it called? Attorney client privilege. And then when she talks to other people, it's called attorney work product. See, you can't have that shit. You see what I'm saying? Attorney work product, attorney client privilege. See, that's where all my money goes. <laughs> Ensuring that I can meet and make sure that I have attorney client privilege and attorney work product. Because then it's safe. You can't have that. Just saying. See, smart people do smart things. Let's see. So... Uh, let's see. Our within Trump's camp has been vital. He ever believes the information can obtain from cyber news is imperative as he placed his own people there to test to poison the results, but failed. So their testimony will be used. So basically Evers put people to volunteer with cyber ninjas and then they failed to fuck shit up. So now he's demanding cyber ninja hand over every volunteer's name. So that way you can say, oh, I'm going to question all of them. And then it's going to be like, Oh, I didn't know who you are. Oh shit. Tell me what you see. And it's his sources. <laughs> it's like what? But then, we have some weird things going on, like, um, you know, Dominion has failed to provide such information information yet, but Evers is working with Sidney Powell's team to obtain information, and the DOJ is working with us to provide immunity for fiscal crimes if she cooperates. Jenna Ellis and Bernie Carrick are also a target as they raise money for election integrity, but we haven't seen that applied. A deal is in the works for them, and I'm like, what is going on here? What is the deal for? Well, here's what the deal is for. 
the deal is, is that at the DOD, there's a black project that this guy is now sitting at special counsel. See, that was actually really smart. I have to hand it to Obama. That was sneaky as shit. The only way that you can conduct an investigation without anybody seeing it is not doing it through the agency, especially something like this, right? Like you got to keep it in the up and up, except if you put it under the Pentagon and then you put it under a black budget, then nobody can see how much money you're spending and who's part. And this is where the special counsel team comes in. So now he's there um, as special counsel. So that's really bizarre. Right. That's really bizarre. They're coming for our president to say that he used his previous office in order to disseminate false information and create, you know, this muddling of uh, reality. So people um, are confused as to who the president is. We all know that there's two presidents right now. We all know that it's not a secret. It's not a secret. And we all know Joe Biden's not really the president. I mean, we all know that. You know, someone's in his ear because that bitch was bitter as shit, wasn't he? Election fraud. Over 40% of Americans think that there's election fraud. No, over 40% of Americans know there's election fraud. It's about 80% of the people that think election fraud happened. So it's like, I don't get it. I mean, let's take a quick break. Debbie and Robert Malone, the truth blocked on your phones. They call the shots when they throw. These politicians and these doctors, they are not in control. Jimmy. Don't cover the face that the Lord created so it can be seen. Tired of the fake trending all over the place. We just want to be free. There's no fear with faith, these praising still we're hiding underneath. All the passive threats and trauma that came from this tyranny. We won't bow down to the golden cow and do as it pleases. We don't care what they say, it's God over the government. Won't have it any other way, it's God over the government. And we just don't understand. How they put their faith in man We don't care what they say It's God over the government God over government Lies that they're covering Innocent suffering One of our freedoms just crumble and disappear Without a fight in the struggle They want us so sick And don't want you recovering Want you depressing and addicted The pills that they're giving Not trusting decisions Of these politicians Right or left wing It's not really that different But fashion in prison They want you depending On them as a sickness When God is my witness I don't need permission They're causing division Through our television Coming for children And all the traditions So get ammunition Prepare for the war the revolution is in store I'm waiting for them at my door Removing the freedoms to force, of course Judgment day is more important than court I feel this deep in my voice and my core I'm going on till the freedom restored Or until they put me up in the floor They don't care what they say It's God over the government Won't have it any other way It's God over the government And we just don't understand How they put their faith in me Ain't that the truth? Got over the government. You know what? Something about Jimmy Levy. So I don't watch like American Idol and stuff like that. I never do. Right. I don't. But I remember when he had auditioned for them. Right. And he sang so beautifully. And they like outed him after like I would actually I went to YouTube just to find I remember his thing because I accidentally was surfing, changing the channel and heard his voice. And so this guy is just incredible.
right? Incredible. I, I absolutely love it. High, high res is great too. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. So anyway, in this segment, what I wanted to do is share President Trump's speech from uh, the Heritage um, Dinner and um, listen to what he has to say. Thank you. It's a great song, but we'll cut it short and we'll make the speech a little bit longer. And uh, if you have anything to say, don't bother. Just interrupt me. Just don't worry about it. But I want to thank Kevin. He's going to be so incredible. I know that for a fact. I know what he did and where he came from, and he's going to be outstanding. And uh, congratulations to his very exciting new role and a very important role. And thanks also to Kevin's wonderful, young, handsome Wesley Cooper Smith. Because Wesley, where's Wesley? He's great. He's going to do a job. But he'll never be Kevin, right, Kevin? Because if he is, right, you know that story, right? You can't allow that to happen. That's right. He has better hair than you, Kevin. Is that right? <laughs> Kevin's sort of acknowledging. Anyway, both great people. They're great people, and they're going to do tremendously. Let me also express my gratitude for Heritage Board Chairman Bob Van Andel Gaby. I love that name. Where, where are we, Bob? Where are we? What a name. I love that name. Thank you very much. I got it okay. I practiced that one a little bit. And Barb, Steve Moore is so fantastic. And Steve, I want to thank you very much because you've been uh, you've been there right from the beginning. I uh, wanted to put him on the Fed, and uh, we just about got there. Uh, but some extraneous things happened, meaning uh, very unfair things. But we'll do it again, except at a higher level, okay? I promise you that. And I mean it, too. A friend of mine and a man of uh, great courage and uh, just a, a really terrific person, especially when you see what's happening on our border, Tom Holman. Tom, Tom is just amazing. And likewise, Mark Morgan, right from the beginning, has been with us. Mark, where is Mark? Mark, thank you. Thank you, Mark. Great job. Those two great people and so many other incredible patriots in the room. Is that Sean? I think so. Yeah, we stand up. You, you know, now he's a movie star. That hair is so perfect. I think, you know, he did a hell of a job, too. And they appreciate it now, really, a lot. And he uh, danced very well, too. We were putting in those Trump votes. We almost got you to the end, right? We almost got you to the end, but you did a great job. Thanks, Sean, very much. It's a true honor to join you this evening. For nearly 50 years, this legendary institution, which is what it is, has been at the forefront of the conservative movement, helping lead the fight to defend our cherished American history, culture, and traditions. Everyone here tonight, very special people, is united by the same key ideas and the same core values. We believe that the Declaration of Independence and the American Constitution represent the pinnacle of human civilization. Our founding documents are not a source of shame. They are a source of pride and great pride. We believe that the United States of America is the greatest republic in the history of the world. In America, the people do not answer to the politicians. The politicians answer to the people. That's the way it's supposed to be. 
We reject the discrimination and oppression of so-called equity, and we embrace the eternal principle of equality under the law. Law and order, thank you, so true. Law and order must be upheld without bias or prejudice, and the Constitution means what it says as written. We condemn censorship, blacklisting, and cancel culture because we know that the lifeblood of a free society is free speech, which is being taken away from us very rapidly, in case you haven't noticed, very, very rapidly. Uh, we don't have a free press or a fair press, and free speech has been eroded, but we're going to get it back. We believe that America is a sovereign nation with a sovereign people, which means that we must have strong, secure, sovereign borders. Not what we have now, Tom, right? Not what we have now. So sad to watch what's happening to our country. And we believe that economic security is national security. We believe that America is safe and the world is calm when America is strong. We want peace through strength. We believe that the first duty of government is to protect and defend the interests of its own citizens. In other words, to put America first. We believe that America's destiny depends on upholding the Judeo-Christian values and principles of our nation's founding. And above all, we know that freedom is not a gift from government. Freedom is a gift from God. There are traditions that have sustained and strengthened our country through nearly 250 years and when I say strengthened, I mean really strong. It's held it together. I don't think there's ever been a time where our country has been in a position like it is today. And it's very, very sad to see. Very, very sad to see. Yet today, each of these principles is threatened like never before. They're under assault by a radical left movement that seeks to demolish everything this organization exists to defend. The greatest danger to America is not our enemies from the outside. The greatest danger is the destruction of our nation from within. But while the challenges for our country may loom large, our opponents are far weaker and more vulnerable than they appear. And we are far stronger than anyone can fully understand. I stand before you today bearing a simple message. As long as America First conservatives have the courage to fight boldly for an agenda that defends American workers, American families, and America's glorious cultural inheritance, then the radical left will lose and we will win bigger than anyone thought possible. Over the past 15 months, Americans have been horrified by the cascade of total disaster. Inflation is the highest in 40 years, and it's going much higher. Sorry to inform you of that. Steve, I think you can say that perhaps better than anybody, but it's uh, going much higher. Gas prices are now 4 5 or even $6 a gallon, and likewise, they're going much higher. It was $1.87 just a very short time ago. Think of that, $1.87. And we had so much, we didn't know what to do with it. 
Our border is being overrun by millions of illegal aliens from over 140 different countries, countries that many people have never even heard about. We have no idea who these people are, where they come from. There's no checks, there's no balances, there's no nothing. They just stream into our country by the millions. We now have the weakest border in history. And just one year ago, a little more, we had the strongest border in the history of our country, strongest that we've had in American history. And that included drugs and it included all of the other things that come into our country that are so bad, human trafficking, mostly in women. And it was at record lows and now it's at record highs. Nobody's even keeping count anymore. It's so bad. It's become so bad. Our communities are under siege from a bloody wave of violent crime with murders, the highest in nearly 30 years. Our children are being indoctrinated in school with wicked anti-American ideologies and demented left-wing gender theories. Our nation has been humiliated in Afghanistan, where we had soldiers killed, left American hostages behind, and left $85 billion in American military hardware, the best anywhere in the world. We handed it over to the Taliban. They weren't even expecting it. They just got it. We surrendered. We surrendered. And remember, for 18 months, think of it, for 18 months, not one American soldier was killed. I spoke to the leader of the Taliban, Abdul. I said, Abdul, I won't tell you exactly, but I said, don't do it. And they didn't do it. They didn't do it. 18 months until, until that horrible day where 13 soldiers were killed and nobody was the ones that were so badly, horrifically injured, no arms, no legs, just blown to pieces for no reason whatsoever. China no longer respects us. Iran no longer fears us. And with their monstrous invasion of Ukraine, Russia showed just how weak they think our leaders are. They would never have done that under the Trump administration. Never. Not even a possibility. Not even a possibility. This is the most dangerous period in the history of our country. Right now, in my opinion, is the most dangerous in the history of our country. Never before has our world been so unsafe. And that's because of the massive power of weaponry. The weaponry today is at a level that nobody's ever seen before. We have it and others have it, but there's never been anything like it. I rebuilt our military, spent two and a half trillion dollars, and we redid the nuclear capability. We had weapons that didn't even work. We had weapons that nobody had any idea if they did work. And everything is either new or renovated, and it's an incredible, it's an incredible thing that we did, but hope you just hope to God we never have to use them. But now the word nuclear is being thrown around like it's candy. And you can't do that. You can't do that. That's not a word that can be thrown around. It was never talked about. It was never discussed. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Too, too big a problem, too catastrophic. And uh, you look at what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. The whole thing is everything that you see, every person that you see dying, it would not have happened if the Trump administration were there and it didn't happen for four years, people say, oh, do you think that's true? What well, didn't happen, nor was even thought of. Russia took Georgia under President Bush. They took Crimea under President Obama. They took nothing under me, nothing. 
And I took our troops, by the way, out of Syria and Iraq and was just months away from getting out of Afghanistan. I'm the one that brought it down to 2,000 soldiers. It was a, a, a number much higher than that, as you know, Sean, way, way, way up. And we got it down to two. We were all set to leave. We were going to leave with dignity, great dignity and great strength. And they respected us. Remember, not one soldier killed in 18 months. I told them, don't kill our soldiers. You do. We're going to hit you so hard. Nobody will ever have been hit hard like you're going to get hit. And they didn't do anything. They didn't do it. They were all set. Uh, they wanted us to leave. It was great. They wanted us to leave. They weren't going to kill. And what they did was terrible. And what we did was terrible. We did it through weakness. We were going to keep Bagram, but everybody was going to be out. The reason we we're keeping Bagram is because of China. It's one hour away from where China makes its nuclear weapons. Um, it cost billions and billions of dollars to build many years ago. And right now it looks to me like China is going to end up owning and operating Bagram. We fled, left the lights on late at night and we fled. And they did leave all the dogs behind, by the way, for those people that love dogs. They tried to say, oh, we didn't, but they did. Under Biden, they got everything. So you look at Georgia, you look at Crimea, and under Biden, they got everything. And under me, they got nothing except we pulled troops out of other countries. They always said that I was very nice to Russia, the fake news, these people back there. They said that I was always very nice, but I was the one that killed the pipeline, the biggest thing they've ever done. I funded NATO with $430 billion by saying, if you don't pay up, if you don't pay up, we're not going to defend you. And they all paid up, or most of them paid up, but the rest is coming in. They never saw anything like it. The secretary general said that uh, it's the most incredible thing he's ever seen because Bush went and made a speech. Obama made a couple of speeches. They never mentioned the fact that everybody was delinquent. They didn't pay. And they asked me, one of the presidents of the countries at a closed meeting, 28 countries at that time, they said, well, sir, are you saying that if, because they knew I was very unhappy because we were paying a very, very, we were paying for most of it, in my opinion, but a very high amount. So we're defending Europe. At the same time, they rip us off on trade. Very, very seriously rip us off. And he said, does that mean that you won't protect us in case uh, if we don't pay? Uh, you won't protect us from Russia, was the Soviet Union, but now Russia? I said, that's exactly what it means. Now, if I said, no, I don't mean that, then why would they pay? <laughs> so somebody had to say it. I was amazed it didn't get out. I was amazed. The fake news didn't pull it out. I don't know. Maybe nobody wanted to talk about it. I said, no, that's exactly. And the money started to flow in. And the secretary general said, I never saw money like this in my life. It started to flow in. I had to give him that answer. It was a risky answer to give, too, because people say, oh, that's a terrible thing to say. But that's the way you have to do it, I guess. But I put more sanctions on Russia than anyone else. I gave Ukraine javelins while Obama gave them blankets. You remember this statement? Oh, he's terrible. He's giving javelins and the other one's giving blankets. Well, it turned out I was right when I gave the javelins. I was the one that gave them the weaponry to do that very big and important first part of the war and show something very special. They said I was very nice to Putin. The only person who didn't think that was true is Putin. Used to say, you're killing me on the pipeline. How the hell? Nobody ever heard of Nord Stream 2. Nobody until I came along. I heard of it. I said, what is Nord Stream 2? It's the biggest pipeline imaginable, all of Europe, but in particular to Germany. And I ended it. But we have a leader now who is incapable of understanding what the hell is happening.
And these are very dangerous times. Immediately approved the pipeline, by the way. I ended it and they approved it. You know, you've heard it a thousand times. He killed Keystone, which is our Keystone XL, as they call it officially. But he uh, let them have their big pipeline going from Russia into Germany and other parts of Europe. And he let them have it virtually the first day. The only things Democrats are really good at is cheating in elections and assaulting Republicans like never before with law enforcement. That's what happens. That's what they do. All you have to do is take a look around. They cheat like hell and they assault with the law enforcement. You could take the five worst presidents in American history and put them together and they would not have done the damage that Joe Biden has done in just a little more than one year. Yet this is also one of the most precious moments of opportunity in the history of our country because of the extremism of the Biden administration and the left. Our opponents are fully and completely exposed. We know it doesn't work. So when we go back in, we can do it the right way and we can do what has to be done. And nobody can really criticize us very badly. That's probably the good thing about what is going on. If we do our jobs, their sinister and corrupt left-wing system will be discredited, defeated, and discarded forever. Socialism, wokeism, and left-wing fascism, and communism will be tossed into the ash heap of history beside every other twisted ideology that has tried and failed to destroy the United States of America. But we got very close, and we're coming very close. We have to act quickly because they are trying to destroy our country. Nobody can be so stupid to do the things they're doing with open borders and no voter ID for elections, no voter. Why do they want no voter ID? You know, when you went into the Democrat National Convention, they had an ID that was bigger than the person's chest. It was like, it's like a prison card, actually. Massive picture, fingerprints, this, that. But they don't want any form of ID to vote. Now, that only means one thing. They want to cheat. That's the only reason. There's no other reason in the world not to have it. But to achieve this goal, we must continue to stand on the America First platform that brought millions and millions of new voters to our Republican Party and to our side. If you look at what's happened with the Hispanic population, it's unbelievable. People don't even believe it. Look at my numbers during the election in Miami and Florida and along the Texas border, mostly Hispanic. And we won it all. We won it all. Never happened. The governor called me, said that not since Reconstruction. I said, by Reconstruction, I assume you mean Civil War? He said, that's right. Not since the Civil War has anything happened like happened in the last election with uh, Hispanics. Our theme was Make America Great Again, and I believe it was the most successful theme in politics and the history of our country and maybe anywhere in the world. Make America Great Again. We grew the conservative movement into a working people's movement, and we transformed the Republican Party into the working people's party. And we are never, ever going back. We've increased our size massively. We're winning areas now that we never thought possible. I think we're going to have a tremendous 22. We had a tremendous 20, but bad things happened. Very, very bad things happened. And we're going to have a great, great 24 but we have to watch the vote counters. 
Our movement must continue to pursue a populist, nationalist, economic agenda that puts working families before globalist politicians and woke multinational corporations who are mentally ill in many cases. They're sick. What are they doing? And the people that they cater to are not believing. And you see what's going on in Florida and other places. And uh, the people aren't going to take it. And they're not taking it. They're fighting back, finally. After decades of spilling blood and spending treasure on everyone's interests but our own, we must have a foreign policy focused on the core mission of defending our country, our citizens, and our people. And we must have a social policy that is pro-family, pro-life, pro-God, and 100% pro-America has to happen. Already we have shown the power of our winning formula, working closely with many of the great people at Heritage over the four incredible years that we've worked with you a lot. And we were just discussing it with Kevin Plain. They're going to work on some other things that are going to be very exciting, I think, Kevin. I think maybe the most exciting of all. We passed the largest tax cuts and reforms in American history. And I'm all for reducing taxes further, not the other way. They want to raise taxes. This is the first time anybody, they want to raise taxes and they're supposed to get elected. All of these things they want to do. How do you get elected? You get elected by cheating. That's how they get elected. We cut a record number of job-killing regulations. Greatest in history. It's frankly, I think it was a bigger, it was a bigger and more important element than even the tax cuts, which are the biggest in history. We fixed our broken trade deals. We replaced the worst trade deal probably ever made NAFTA with uh, the USMCA, that's Mexico, Canada. And uh, if you probably heard, they want to renegotiate the deal because they're not happy with it. I said, well, we lived with NAFTA for so many decades. Why don't you live with this deal for a few decades and then we'll start talking about it. But I just hope they don't. I just hope they don't. You have to stop it from happening. They want to renegotiate the deal because it's a great deal for us and it's fine for them, but it's not. It ain't what they had, let's put it that way. They had one of the worst deals for this country ever. You know, they made typos in the deal when it was originally done decades ago, three decades ago, NAFTA. And they were big typos, like uh, numbers and percentages that were much higher in their favor. And they never changed them. They were too lazy. They'd go, oh, so we pay an extra 5% talking about trillions and trillions of dollars. Can you imagine? You know that, right? They made changes. They didn't, they didn't even ask for them, but they made mistakes, typos, I guess. And they didn't change them. They just left them that way. The hell with it. Don't worry, but it's only a few billion a year. And we stood up to China like no president in history, charging them billions and billions of dollars in taxes and in tariffs when they had never paid us. And since we saved our steel industry, we saved a lot of industries and we were bringing back a lot of business too deal and uh, it's just not even not even believable it's not even believable and you know that representing us on certain other deals happens to be russia and china you know about that we have russia and china representing us on a certain deal how do you think that's going to work out you think that's going to work out good it's not even believe this stuff isn't even believable so they're our primary representative with the help of many people in this room we saved our country once and together we swear 
that we will save our country again. Because our country is going to hell. The critical job of institutions such as Heritage is to lay the groundwork. And Heritage does such an incredible job at that. And I'm telling you, with, uh, with Kevin and the staff, and I met so many of them now, I took pictures with among the most handsome, beautiful people I've ever seen. I didn't like that picture. If you could lose that picture, please, would you, Kevin? But this is a great... No, he says I won't do that. But this is a great group, and they're going to lay the groundwork and detail plans for exactly what our movement will do and what your movement will do when the American people give us a colossal mandate to save America. And that's coming. That's coming. Because nobody can stand what's happening right now. Only a fool. Only a fool or somebody that hates our country can like what's happening right now. Never been in this position before. And already we know a very big part of our agenda. Every policy of the administration, you take a look at this whole thing coming out of the Biden group, the Biden administration should be quickly reversed by a new Congress. And every policy of the Trump administration should be immediately restored on day one when the next president sets foot in the Oval Office or even better or before. It's uh, all they had to do is go to the beach, just go to the beach. The border was Tom. The border was the best in the history of recorded history of the border. Everything was good. We had guys like Holman. They don't have, they have very gentle people, very nice people. I don't even think they're nice people. They're causing massive death. They're causing massive, massive death. You have to see these caravans. People are coming up. They're dying. The women are being raped at a level that nobody's ever seen before. It's a horrible thing that's happening. But that all means restoring energy independence, ending catch and release, stopping the socialist spending spree, confirming pro-constitution judges. We had a thing called remain in Mexico. How, how good is that? How simple a term is that? Just like right to try is a great term. Remain in Mexico, meaning they couldn't come into our country. Mexico, you think that's easy, getting that from Mexico? Everyone laughed when I said, no, we're going to have them remain in Mexico. They said, sir, you got to be kidding. We've been trying that for 40 years. Are you kidding, sir? They actually, were they, were they thinking about uh, an Article 25 when I said that, right? They don't think about it now. The 25th Amendment. They don't think about that now at all, right? They never mentioned the 25th. But they would mention anytime I had a great idea, 25th Amendment, there's something wrong with it. That's why I took the aptitude test and I aced it, according to Doc Ronnie and a whole group of doctors. I aced that aptitude test. And that's a test that even some geniuses in this room will not do that well on. I will tell you, it's not that easy a test. They show the first one or two questions. They're pretty easy, Sean. You know the first ones. When you get up to question number 28 and 29 and 30, you got to be okay. Believe me. But it is amazing. You know, when I did that, it all stopped. Then they said, he's a dictator. First they said, not too smart. Then I did that. They said, well, that all went away. I really did that. I said, Doc, Ronnie, I got to take a test. He said, you know, the problem is, sir, this is essentially a public place. One of the great hospitals of the world, right? He said, but, you know, you have a series of doctors sitting there and all. And if you do badly, the word's going to get out. I said, I know that. How tough is it? He said, it's very tough. I said, ooh, let's give it a shot. <laughs> and I did it in front of a panel. 
and we aced it. And the one person said, that's the first time I've ever seen anyone ace it. Isn't that nice? So all of that stuff stopped, Steve. It was very nice. Okay. But then they made me a dictator instead. In other words, I don't know, which would you rather be a dumb person or a dictator? I think, I don't know, perhaps a dictator would be better. I don't want to be a dumb person. With the right leadership, we can erase the Biden nightmare. We can rescue the American dream faster than anyone ever thought possible. But we cannot be satisfied merely to turn back the clock to 2020 or 2019. The potential of our movement and the Republican Party itself is so much greater than that. We need an organization like yours working on the next generation of policies for a post-Biden post-COVID world. And if I didn't have confidence in your new leadership and all of the people that I've met and so many that I knew of but didn't know, I wouldn't be here tonight. I'd be sitting home enjoying myself. Now I'm working my ass off and enjoying myself. But I want to congratulate Madam Chairman. I want to congratulate you and Kevin on uh, everything that you're doing to encourage new thinking, embrace new directions, and keep heritage at the vanguard of the conservative movement. And the conservative movement is making tremendous strides, and everyone knows it. And every mistake they make is one thing good. They realize that we got it right. One of the most urgent tasks, not only for our movement, but for our country, is to decisively defeat the climate hysteria hoax. The ocean is rising, it's rising. It's coming. It's within 300 years. We're going to gain one one hundredth of an inch in the ocean and have a little more beachfront property. It's going to be a terrible thing. No, it's a hoax. The whole thing is a total. It's so crazy. And, you know, just in a simple way, China has a very dirty country. India is very dirty. Air is very dirty. Water is very dirty. In Japan, even, and many others, they dump in the, the uh, ocean. Russia is a very dirty country. You look at Arctic ice, it's black. They call it black ice. You know, I've got black factories. So we're going to have nice and clean. problem is the air goes up and then it starts to move. It moves. The air goes up in China and it moves. It takes about a week and a half and it moves across the Pacific and it hits Los Angeles, right? May it be Los Angeles, but it hits our country. <laughs> and they dump their garbage in the ocean and the ocean tides flow and they hit, guess what, our West Coast. And did you ever see the tons and tons and tons of garbage that we put it comes from asia it comes from india it comes from all over it comes from a lot comes from china tremendous from china. they dump in the ocean and it floats over to the united states and then we clean our air and we clean everything how stupid are we how stupid are we it goes up and then we say there's something wrong with our air what's wrong in the meantime our factories can't perform they want us to use wind, wind, intermittent wind. I always say when I was running and we ran a great race, we did much, much, much better by many millions of votes. But we're running and I tell the little, it's sad, it's a joke, but it's not a joke. Darling, I'd like to watch the president tonight on television. No, you can't. The wind isn't blowing, right? <laughs> the wind isn't blowing. There's no television tonight, darling. The wind isn't blowing. And by the way, our house went down to about 30% of the value because we're near a, a windmill that makes a lot of noise, kills all our birds, and ruins the landscape. Other than that, it's a wonderful thing for the environment. <laughs> These people are crazy. <laughs> but they're radical climate people, and I don't believe they mean it. They can't mean it because it's too, it's too easy.
They can't mean it. The radical left's fear-mongering about climate and our future is no longer just scaring American youth. It's destroying America's economy, weakening our society, and eviscerating our middle class. It's really hurting us. And we don't have the power with green energy. I'm all for it. But we don't have the power to fire up our plants. And we don't have, you know, I took you out of the Paris hoax accord. And it's costing us trillions, trillions and trillions of dollars. It was, it sounded nice. The Paris Climate Accord, that was the good part. The rest of it was a disaster. And by the way, China doesn't kick in for another 14 years. Russia kicked in at the dirtiest point. Russia, they're having a hard time. But they kicked in at the dirtiest point. India hardly kicks in at all. But us, we kick in immediately and we have to pay a lot of money to other countries because they're developing, like China is a developing country. India is a developing country. This is the craziest deal. Anyway, I ended it, and now I understand they're going right back into it, except it's going to be even worse than the one I ended. The deranged ideology of the Green New Deal is a massive, self-inflicted economic wound. It was developed by a young woman who doesn't know a thing about the environment. She knows a lot about con jobs, but she doesn't know about the, I wonder if she, I wonder if she goes home, AOC plus three, you know, AOC plus three, it's AOC plus her three people and they're getting worse and worse and uh, they're hurting our country very badly. I wonder if they go home and laugh when they're in a room together. What do you think, Sean? Do you think they go home and say, what a bunch of stupid fools. They're believing some, I don't think she ever took a class on the climate. I think, you know, there's nothing about it. She wasn't a good student anyway at the classes she did take. It's helping fuel runaway inflation. It's causing cost of food, cars, housing, and raising a family to absolutely skyrocket. And perhaps worst of all, it's putting our country at the mercy of Iran, Russia, Venezuela. That's our new source of oil. We're going to get it from Venezuela. We're not going to take it right from there. You know, we're standing on liquid gold. We're going to get it from Venezuela. It's not even believable. All the while, we're sitting on this really incredible wealth. We have our own wealth. We have more than anybody in the world, especially with Anwar. We have much more under our feet than any other country in the world, and we're going to make deals with OPEC. We're back to OPEC again. You never heard the word OPEC in four years, right, Steve? Four years, nobody ever. In fact, they were going out of business. They had a going business out of, we're going out of business sign up in their door wherever the hell they're located. We are going out of business because of President Trump. Now they're back in business at a level and they don't want to do anything. Can you imagine Biden? I don't think it's him that called. I don't think so. But he has somebody called. No, I don't think he has anybody called. Somebody calls. And they talk to OPEC. OPEC isn't doing anything. We won't send you more. We're not going to lower the price. We're not going to do anything to help you. Oh, okay, good. Thank you very much. Can you believe that we put up with this stuff? It's hard to believe. But they were effectively out of business. We didn't hear that term, OPEC, for four years plus. But just as they did with the COVID lockdowns, the radical left is advancing hysterical predictions and catastrophic power gains, power plays to control our entire society. That's what they want to do. Do you notice the masks are back again? A Trump judge ruled the other day, meaning Trump appointed. Very proud of her. But a Trump-appointed judge ruled the masks have to go 
But already they're starting again because they want to have masks and mandates for the next election so they can cheat like hell. And they really want to have it for the 24 election because it's the only way they can win. I'm telling you, with their policy, they're not a 50-50 party. I believe, I believe that. that. I believe that. Okay, speaking of masks, I just wanted to say um, there's a new thing now. They're ta- they're telling the the woke people, here's what you're going to do when you're on a plane since they're not forcing masks. You're going to have an extra mask and you're going to give it to the person next to you and tell them, I have an elderly person at home. I want you to wear one. You know, I just can't wait for the next time I fly to have one of these little bitches sit next to me and tell me. I'll be like, <laughs> make me. There is like no freaking way. So they're already starting how you can convince people to wear a mask when they don't want to. Like, I kid you not. Um, So they're starting that now. And they're encouraging employers to tell their people to encourage them to wear masks. With With their their policies of horror show policies, all of the horrible things that they want and do with the or the raising of taxes. Your taxes would go up through the roof if they ever allowed it to happen. So far, the Republicans are able to hold the Trump tax cuts. It's a great thing to see. But when you see all of the things with the sanctuary cities and all of the stuff they have and defund the police, these are just not take away your guns in Texas, no oil in Texas, and no God in Texas. And then you hear, Trump's going to have a tough race in Texas. We won in a landslide, by the way. But they were saying it's very close in Texas before the election. It's going to be a very tight race in Texas. I said, wait a minute. They don't want guns. They don't want God and they want oil. And I'm going to have a tight race. Didn't turn out to be a tight race. You know why they say that if they can cheat enough, people won't be that surprised. Does that make sense? That this because they will try. They did it in Pennsylvania. They did it in Georgia. They did it in Arizona. They did it in Wisconsin. Did you see Wisconsin? where almost everybody in the nursing home voted. And yet, historically, almost nobody voted in the nursing home. You know why? Because they have other problems. They're not looking to vote. And people came up, the daughters and the sons, and they said, my mother's comatose. She hasn't spoken in years. She did not vote. You have her down for voting. This happened many times, sons and daughters and all. They didn't vote. But they had almost 100% of the people in nursing homes voted. But over the last long period of time, the number was a very small number. Now it's so, and, and you have a Justice Gableman up there, highly respected, one of the most highly respected people in Wisconsin. And he's having none of it. And he's having none of it. In other states, too. Look at what's happening now in Pennsylvania. They got it. Conservative leaders, think tanks, and intellectuals must be fearless in calling out the lunacy of what you're seeing and what you're being led into, the world is not ending. Our future is not dying. We have to defeat the climate hoaxers once and for all. You know, they said we only had 12 years to live. That was four years ago, remember? They said our country has 12 years. And that was like, I said, oh, what happened? What happened? They said, it's the climate. I said, really? Oh. That doesn't make sense. So that means we only have eight years. That's ridiculous. The real problem is with nuclear weapons, we may only have six months. You talk about global warming. That's the real global warming, not the global warming hoax that they don't even use it anymore. They call it climate change. Remember, they used to call it global warming. The planet is warm, but that wasn't working out too well because a lot of places were extremely cool. 
So they were getting killed. They were getting killed. And then they changed it all of a sudden. Climate change, because you can't miss on climate change. It can go up. It can go down. It can go 15 different directions. It's climate change. It's killing us. Now these people have got a lot of problems. Another key priority for our movement is to develop policy to end the tidal wave of violent crime in Democrat cities. In addition to fighting the real corruption in our country, the FBI must be reformed to once again, and I know so many people in the FBI is so great, but we want them to be a crime-fighting organization. We live in an age when transnational gangs so uh, all of these gangs, gangs coming out of South out of uh, South America, and they head up going into South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, New York, Long Island, all over the place. They're wreaking havoc with impunity. Street gangs are murdering our citizens and murdering our young people, killing people with knives because it's more painful, killing 16-year-old girls, two of them walking across the street because they didn't want to shoot them, because they wanted it to last the pain, and conducting organized robberies and massive networks of drug dealers and traffickers are poisoning our youth by the hundreds of thousands. And we had them with ICE. This ICE, Tom Holman, I have to tell you, and Mark, ICE is unbelievable. They would run into a nest of these guys that were brutal killers, and they do it like... Every day, I mean, we have some very tough people. Definitely not you. You don't want to do it. I know you. But neither do I. Don't feel bad. But these are incredible people. These are tough, strong people who love our country. And if they don't do it, nobody else will. Nobody in this room wants to do it. Nobody. If the FBI spent less time trying to take down Republicans, because that's what's happening, they might have really the resources. And I think they will have to liberate our country from the plague, because I think most of the people in the FBI agrees, agree with us. I really do. I know so many of them. I really believe they agree with us. A lot of people don't know what the hell is going on there. As one example, Congress and the FBI should be working together to ensure that we find, arrest, detain, and where applicable, deport every single sex trafficker in the United States, of which we have many. We got a lot of them out. We got a lot of them out. Another urgent task for America First conservatives is to design and implement a detailed national strategy to bring back our critical supply chains. Did you ever think you were going to have that problem? I did a book. It was a very successful book, A Journey Together. Sold hundreds of thousands of copies. We go back to the printer. We need more. Sir, I don't have any paper. He's one of the largest printers in the country. Sir, I don't have ink. I don't have glue and I don't have leather. Other than that, he's doing very well. I said, what's the problem? He said, I never thought, I've been in business 42 years. I never thought I'd say it. I cannot get paper. I cannot get ink or glue. I can't get anything. The supply chains, and you see it all over. We have empty shelves. This was, in all fairness, this was never even a topic. I think we never even discussed that topic. There was no topic. Supply chains, everybody had supply. Now you don't have it because they've so screwed up our country. But... The manufacturing bases of uh, American chores are just different. It's just different. It's so different than it was just a year and a half ago. Between COVID, China, the supply chain shortages, and the Russian invasion of Ukraine, all of which would not have happened. The COVID we were doing so well with the others would not have happened. We've been given one glaring warning sign after another. Economic self-sufficiency is no longer an option. 
It's an urgent national security imperative. Has to be, Kevin. Has to be. If we're to maintain our own sovereignty and control of our own destiny, our future must be built right here in America. We have to build right here with American heart and with American hands. We will not be able to stand up for our values and interests abroad a very long, long period of time, and it will take a long period of time if we don't build up our critical industries here at home. And I worked very hard to do that with the steel industry. The steel industry was dead. Many industries were dying, and we got them going again. We had to do a lot of big things, and we had to do a lot of things with regard to taxation and tariffs on China and other countries, and it worked. So many people in the steel industry say, thank you, sir, you saved my business. I was dying. I was dying. I, I couldn't have lasted another two years if you didn't tax all of the excess dump steel that was being sent into our country. In addition, conservatives need a detailed plan and bold new initiatives to reclaim every single inch of ground that has been aggressively conquered and occupied by the woke left. And they are making progress, but we're going to stop it quick. We must get critical race theory and far left gender ideology out of our schools, out of our military, out of our places of business, out of our court system, out of our criminal justice system, and out of every part of our federal, state, and local governments. And I did that. I wrote it out. But Biden came in, I believe, the first day he did an executive order, put it right back in. We had it all gone. Do it again. We can't let it happen again. The masks, the mandates, and then the mail-in ballots. You can never have a secure election with mail-in ballots. You can't have it. It doesn't work. Thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions and millions of ballots in California. Tens of millions of ballots shipped to everybody. Many people, probably people in this room, less in this room because you're not Democrats or you're not radical left, but millions and millions of ballots being sent out. Many people got more than one, more than two, more than three, more than five. Many of the people probably in this room, do I want to, is there a show of hands in this room? Yeah. Well, one, yeah, I'd say, don't be ashamed. <laughs> don't be ashamed. Not Tom Holman. You didn't get Tom Holman. If he ever got, I thought Tom raised his hand. If Tom ever got, there'd be a lot of trouble. How about the Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine hoax? How about the Mueller fake investigation? How about all of the things that we've gone through? And still we've done more than just about any other president in the history of our country. And that's it. He has done more than any president in U.S. history hogtied. He was hogtied throughout his whole presidential <laughs> like his whole freaking four years. He was being hunted down. He was hogtied. Hogtied, completely hogtied. So, one thing that we must keep in mind is that desperate people do desperate things. And when you are desperate and they know that you're desperate, sorry, I'm just screwing in my microphone here. When they know you are desperate, they will come for you like no other. And you know what, guys? You're not desperate. We're not desperate. We have God. Fear nothing. Fear nothing because they've already lost. And if you see that, then and then you can't unsee it. Therefore, you understand how we actually won. I know a lot of you, I don't feel like I'm winning. You're totally winning. And next week, hopefully some of that will come up.
to the surface. This weekend, I don't know, you guys are going to feel defeated, but, and maybe Monday you'll feel defeated. Yeah, and maybe a little bit of Tuesday, but then you'll bounce back. And we're not talking little wins like masks and shit. We're talking like really win. See you on Monday. That, that don't kill me, can only make me stronger I need you to hurry up now, cause I can't wait much longer I know I got to be right now, cause I can't get much longer Man, I've been waiting all night now, that's how long I've been on ya I need you right now I need you right Let's now. get lost tonight. You could be my black Kate Moss tonight. Play secretary on the ball tonight. And you don't give a fuck what they all say, right? Awesome the Christian and Christian Dior. Damn, they don't make them like this anymore. I ask, cause I'm not sure. Do anybody make real shit anymore? Bow in the presence of greatness. Cause right now, that has to sickness. You should be honored by my lateness. That I would even show up to this great shit. So go ahead, go nuts, go ape shit. Especially in my past. Stay on my page shit. Act like you can't take